the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and this is episode number 661. This is 661 of the Agostino Zynga show. I hope you are doing well wherever this podcast may find you. I hope you are doing swimmingly. How am I? All good, all things considered. I cannot lie. It's a bit of a new, you know, little theme I've got going on. I just updated my OBS, so things should be a little bit changed and different from where I'm sitting here. So that could be a little bit of a change. But if you're not listening to this or watching this via YouTube, you'll have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about and it won't matter to you in the slightest. But for those of you who are tuning in live on that platform, you have seen the difference and you know what time it is. You know what time it is. But for everybody else, it's just another day. It's just another day in the park. It's just another day in the field doing what we need to be done in order to live the life of luxury that we're always living right here. But yeah, um, wanting to quickly, you know, knock this one out for you guys to obviously provide the informative content I always like to provide and just to kind of get some stuff off of me chest, mate, just some stuff off of me chest. So first things first, I've been listening and perusing and browsing and really absorbing Tyler Crayer's new album or the bonus deluxe album for, you know, Call Me If You Get Lost, the estate sale. And it's been resonating to me super hard, more so because of the guy himself. You know, he's really amazing to kind of look at as an artist and whatnot and what he's been able to do in such a short space of time. And I always look at these kind of artists like Tyler the Creator and I think to myself, you know what? It's not even the fact that what he does now that's really impressive. It's the ceiling that he has. He has a really, really high ceiling in my opinion, of what he could potentially do in the future. So it's quite impressive to kind of see him doing it in real time and sort of watch it kind of happening all in front of our eyes. So I'm, I'm all for it. I love all that stuff, right? Absolutely love it. Oh, wow, the chat box is working. Okay, cool. That's amazing. The chat box actually works. Wow. Okay, cool. So what I would do, actually, let me change this. Let me get this one off. Of, which one should I get off the screen? Should I get this one? Yeah, let me get the other one off. Let me get this one off. Bear me a second. I didn't know this actually thing this actually works. Okay, cool. It actually works. Ha ha ha. Amazing. But yeah, big up everybody in the chat hanging in there. I appreciate every single one of you guys joining me today. Um, this shall be a, an entertaining one. I am hoping so. But yeah, so I'm just thinking in general about life and whatnot. Listen to Tyler Crayer's album and think to myself, you know what? I need to focus. I need to focus. So the next six or so months, I know it's pretty crazy to say this stuff and kind of spec it out so badly ahead of time. But the next six or so months, I'm going to be going so crazy. So, so crazy. So please forgive me for, you know, I have a few people that I still haven't got back to on DMs. I like, I like to get back to everybody that kind of reaches out because, you know, that's the least I can do for people that kind of tune in and check out the stuff that I do because I'm just a minor, minor voice out here um, spraying my flipping nonsense and rambling, you know, nonsensically into these flipping webcams. 
so anybody that i can kind of you know get back to and kind of shout out and say hey thanks for tuning in i'm always gonna do so so i do appreciate every single one of you guys who do tune in and check me out for sure one million percent sure um but i also want to say like going forward I'm going to make sure that I'm focusing a lot. So I'm not going to be, you know, doing all that kind of getting back to everybody, posting too much online and shit and just focusing on the work because I've been listened to Tyler, the creator and just kind of seen what he's done, seen how he's kind of been able to push out these amazing music videos for a bonus album. Imagine it's a bonus deluxe album. The music videos are all really well done. Um, they're all really creative. They all kind of bring a different sort of life to the songs that, you know, he chose to make music videos for and it just all bops and you can kind of rewatch them again and again and again and spot different things it just makes you think hey this guy for the most part is quite away from things but also involved he's kind of you know on social not on social but he doesn't make a big stink about it and that's what i'm going to end up doing so this is just kind of a declaration for myself but it's also not too corny and not too lame on the side of what other people do where they're like oh um i'm gonna you know i'm deleting everything i'm not being on social media guess no, no no i'm not going that far i'm not deleting anything do you know what i mean i think that that sort of way of going about things is capital word redacted really really silly you should be kind of adult enough to be able to kind of you know uh put do stuff within reason that kind of make that make sense so i'm not going to go that far but i'm definitely going to be concentrating the next six months to just smashing it and making sure that at the end of this year i'm looking back and thinking hey i did my darndest um i put the maximum effort in possible and now i'm kind of happy with whatever the chips may fall but i don't want to go into the end of this year regretting that i kind of took my foot off the pedal while i was just unfocused so the next six months are going to be crazy really focusing on sort of things and kind of getting to where i need to get to slowly but surely but before I get to that, I have to talk about things that have wasted my time. And you know how much I hate when things waste my time. You know how selfish I can be with my time. And you know how pig-headed I can be with some things that I do, right? It just can be really, really, really annoying. So I've been wasting a lot of the past couple of days, right? Incorrectly so, or the last couple of days, actually, incorrectly so, watching this absolute horror show of a show, this absolute tragedy of a show called salvation that's what i've been doing i've been watching salvation and let me tell you this might be legitimately one of the worst things i ever watched but it also started off pretty decent so the general premise of this show if you don't know what it's about essentially it kind of stars this guy called darius tans who is kind of like the de facto elon musk kind of figure of this show and what he essentially does is that um no what essentially happens in the show is that there's an asteroid an extinction an extinction sorry an extension extinction yeah extinction 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 level asteroid is about to hit the earth and they have to find out a way to either deflect the asteroid from hitting the earth or by making a spaceship that can make them multiplanetary now at the same time asteroid is coming this guy here darius tans at the same time the asteroid is about to hit earth is by coincidence developing or building his version of a starship and at the same time, it comes, they have to kind of, they go through this whole battle of deciding whether or not they want to make life multiplanetary by basically selecting 160 people or the, or the, you know, the world's greatest thinkers and whatnot, and maybe in creatives to kind of, you know, repopulate Mars again. If this extinction level, um, asteroid ends up hitting Earth or if they should try and, you know, pull together their resources and try to create something, a rail gun, um, a satellite probe or whatever that can deflect that asteroid so that it doesn't hit earth and the first couple of episodes aren't too bad as most of these shows are i think what they end up doing it's like a startup i think 
it's like they always create like a really decent minimal viable product but then when you scale it it then becomes nonsensical and becomes bullshit and then you're kind of regretting buying it i'd imagine a lot of these kind of big starts you know small startups do that they sell to big companies the big company then ends up regretting it because they then got a dud in their hands the same thing happened with this the pilot episode is not too shabby there's a lot of kind of decent science in it it's pretty decent in terms of character development and then as soon as it hits like episode three and four it boom it kind of drops into being a a comic a kind of romantic um everyone smashing everyone type of nonsense affair who done it type of nonsense it just evolved into a really crappy show so quickly and again it started off pretty decent like it really did start off pretty decent and it just reminded me just why you know as much of a sci-fi fan now as i am the genre of sci-fi tv is so 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 um you know fraught and littered with absolute garbage shows like there's so many garbage sci-fi shows out there that it makes it really difficult to kind of pass through all the nonsense to get to the good stuff like for every expanse there's like 17 like salvations that come out in a, in, in, in per year do you know what I mean you have to kind of really wait and bide your time and then maybe an expanse will come along but a salvation will come along or the show that's out now called the arc which essentially is just like a teenage drama in space all those sort of nonsense things happen and then you kind of lose any kind of quality you know sci-fi shows the only thing that's kind of semi-decent now is that star trek picard um season three has been pretty decent but salvation started off really well and then over time it just devolved into nonsense it really did and by the end of it season one because i was watching on netflix i had to do this thing what everyone else does i'm assuming because you start a show especially if especially after you pass episode five you kind of just have to finish it so i was forced to finish the show that was already crap by episode four and i then wasted my time watching a 13 episode season one and two to finish it and by the end by the end of this show that got cancelled after season two of course the ending was so terrible and again i'm not none of you are going to watch this show it came out in 2017 so it's not even a spoiler alert by the end of season two at the end of season two right at the end of season two <laughs> the asteroid that's meant to hit earth that they're all panicking about guess what happens guess what happens in the same somehow darius tans who's the kind of de facto um elon musk figure in this show he figures out that the asteroid isn't actually an asteroid you get that it's not an asteroid it's actually some sort of like spaceship type of thing like it kind of reminds me of like what's that movie with the um um there's a movie a really good sci-fi movie where a space where like a spaceship comes and it's sort of like shaped like an like an oval like a pebble and it basically has it's it's, it's from another obviously it's from another planet and it kind of just floats and there's these weird creatures in there that, that don't speak but they have this language where they make shapes and shit i forgot what the name of it is but essentially that's what it is it's basically the asteroid wasn't actually an asteroid it was like this spaceship thing um that was hovering above earth next to the moon and kind of analyzing humanity or something so the whole affair was just nonsense like ridiculously nonsense this lady in the show um her name i think her name is grace i'm pretty sure the ginger lady no yeah grace barrows this lady she ends up like smashing like four of the guys on the show like darius tans this guy who's like the direct who's like the um, um you know um, what you call it he's like the um secretary of state 
um, called Harris Edwards. She ends up smashing a black guy, Bashy, who's like a who's like a well, you know, who's a famous grandma is here in the UK from back in the day, but now he's an actor. Like honestly, it's just like an on nonsense. This woman here, Julia, uh, Julian, Gillian Hayes, who's dating Liam Cole, who's like the young maverick kid. She ends up falling into the clutches of some cult. It's just really odd. Legitimately, one of the oddest shows I've ever watched in my entire life. And I just couldn't get my head around why I wasted all of that time <laughs> on this show when I knew, when I knew it was going to end like shit. I just knew it. But because I passed the episode five mark, I just had to kind of just stick with it. And then it ended up, you know, being as terrible as I kind of anticipated it would be. And I think it started off pretty decent. And I think, I wonder with these shows, if they end up writing them first with decent writers and the writers leave because they cash and checks and they keep them moving to another project or if it's a thing where these shows purposely sell networks duds then when the duds don't you know hit you know they purposely sell them duds but then they write decent shows in the beginning to sell them duds i wonder what's happening either are the writers leaving are the, are the people making the duds shows on purpose or is this just the nature of just modern day TV? Because again, this is a modern day. This came out in 2017, but it's so terrible. It beggars belief. But I think there was some goodness. There were some decent bits here and there in it. I think the idea and the kind of, um, the sort of like conundrum of this kind of Darius Tan's character, who essentially is the Elon Musk um, of this TV show, was pretty interesting. Like where he's kind of, um, was his ideas around kind of making you know humanity multi-planetary did they come from a good place was he trying to actually help humanity or was he being self-serving you can think about what's happening with elon musk at the moment on social media and how he's basically you know all the good that he may be doing for humanity is kind of being you know brushed aside because of how much of a cunt he is online and how annoying he is um as a, of a person overall and he's kind of first and desire for fame it's kind of you know um sullying any of the technical any of the technological advances that he can he's making his teams making and it kind of did explore that quite a bit in the first few episodes but then after that it just turned into this guy who's handsome looking you know being like aloof and wanting to smash everything that moves and shit like it just became really really horrible very very quickly and um yeah i don't recommend it so if you are stuck on things to watch whatever happens if you happen to stumble across a netflix um homepage please under no circumstances should you watch salvation unless you actually legitimately don't mind watching um extinction um rom-com drama type tv shows like i was i was expecting a semi-serious um sci-fi show and i got some nonsense there's some good science in it though there's a projector that he makes that's pretty cool that i wish we could do that in real life there's like a projector he's got this projector thing that he makes um for tans in industries let's see a projector if someone's got it available here as a, as a thing that's pretty cool he uses the gadget where he's kind of making you know when he's doing presentations he's got this like cube thing that he puts on the floor and it caught beams up an image that he basically uses to present so it's all like a uh, a really fancy version of a flipping um you know of a powerpoint presentation where it's kind of all like augmented reality type of stuff that's pretty cool but apart from, and, and there's an ai system called tess um that he kind of speaks to and shit and that's all that's pretty interesting but for the rest of it not the best even a spaceship that he makes um that's basically his version of the of the flipping of starship isn't that 
great to look at to be completely honest as spaceships because you'd mentioned it make a, a far more interesting design but the design of it isn't the greatest as you can see here it's not all that great to be completely honest it could have been a little bit more snazzier but yeah salvation on netflix definitely definitely a one and i wouldn't recommend you check it out if unless you actually do like to watch these bullshit shows and i don't because i'm expecting something different but hey i got punished for having hope i got punished for having hope so next on this to mention here, I think this might be interesting to talk about. What do you do? What do you do, right? This is an interesting conundrum because I'm not too sure where I land on this because it's a bit of an interesting one. What do you do if you and your partner, you and your girlfriend, you and your boyfriend, you and your husband, you and your wife are working at the same company, but then the boss fires your partner? Do you leave? If, if especially if the if the firing was like unjustified and was a little bit in poor was a little bit no let the bad taste in the mouth that kind of firing not like a not like a justifiable one like a firing that kind of came out of the blue unexpected a little bit of a you know you feel a little bit slighted by it if your partner got fired do you leave the workplace that you're both at or do you stay because bills need to be paid as a, as a as a you know as as you are in a relationship and you're in a couple the bills still need to get paid. That doesn't change. So maybe it's, it's better if somebody who has got the job kind of stays at the job and doesn't get emotional and leave. I don't know. But the conundrum here I'm mentioning is regarding um, Yuri and his girlfriend Riley, who were formerly at No Jumper. So it looks like, according to this clip here from Yuri's channel, that his girlfriend Riley got fired from No Jumper. And it's off the back of everybody getting fired there and leaving ADT Rail, House and Blasi, all these guys are basically leaving because, you know, Adam Twenty Two is kind of getting exposed for being a little bit of a suspect individual. There's articles coming out about him, you know, trying to cancel him, making you know, making it seem like he's a racist and this and a pedophile, whatever. Loads of stuff is happening. But essentially what you can ascertain from this is that either Adam Twenty Two is trying to clean house to restart the whole no no jumper network or essentially because all the biggest sort of like uh, you know hosts and personalities on the platform have left there's not enough money coming in to justify people's wages so he just has to make some cuts there's too much overhead so i'm not really too sure where it sits on what the reason is behind it but i'm just thinking if i was yuri and my girlfriend got fired i'd want to just ride out for her or if i didn't want to ride out for her and quit as well i would be a little bit more upset and pissed off at the stream like on live stream i maybe vent my frustration via the this live stream platform about why how unfair it is but let's listen to them talk about the firing and you can kind of get an idea on where their mindsets are but i think the way yuri is kind of looking at it is a bit strange um how he's kind of reacting to his girlfriend basically you know um, her life basically imploding off of the back of all these other guys leaving okay but either way how's your week been it's been crazy. Uh, <laughs> I feel like weird and like embarrassed kind of to talk about it. Why? I don't know why you feel embarrassed. Because like, I don't know. It's just awkward and annoying and. Well, you have nothing to feel embarrassed about. Honestly. It's just I've never been through this. So it's like yeah. weird. But yeah, pretty much I was let go from the no jumper team the rumors are true <laughs> <laughs> the rumors are true yeah and yeah i mean it's been an uh, emotional it's like a lot of different emotions mm -hmm. it's like i feel like it was gonna i felt like it was gonna happen like i already kind of had a feeling it was coming 
and I just kind of annoyed with myself because like I just should have seen it coming and like yeah. trusted my gut a little more. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. We might as well like you know speak on everything where it's like. You know, obviously, it's been, like, an emotional thing for Riley because she's never been... She told me, like, I didn't know this. Uh, I thought, you know, you have experience... Because I feel like everyone's gone through this before, but, like, I've been laid off from from jobs, like, three, four times. And every time it's like, uh, hey, you know, this branch isn't making enough money anymore. Sorry. Hey, we're closing down down this location. If you want to go to this other location, you're welcome to. Like, but sorry, you know. It's like, I've been laid off a couple times like that before. And it's like, the first time I remember it it was, like, felt weird. I was like, damn, like, what the fuck? Like, Like, what? I just went to the skate park, I remember. And I was just like, damn, I'm unemployed now. Like, it's kind of strange, you know. But uh, um, I didn't know that you've never, like, gone through it. And for Riley, it was kind of like an emotional thing where she was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, this is happening. But it's it really sucks because it kind of happened in, in a weird time because it's like uh, Riley, like, about a month ago, like, or a month and a half ago, was already planning on, like, pursuing. Leaving. Yeah, like, pursuing her older. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> yeah. Ew, I hate myself. <laughs> Why are you getting emotional about just it? Cause. Are you going to miss it? Yo, monetizing your girlfriend's tears is like another level. And this is when content creation just gets a little bit too crazy for me. Getting your girlfriend to sit on camera and basically bear her soul. This is the first time she's been fired. She's clearly very emotional, clearly, um, you know, a lot more emotional than maybe Yuri is as a person anyway. So it's just going to be heightened. And especially if she's saying what she's saying is true, where she kind of should have saw it coming. You're kind of having a bit of regret. You're feeling a little bit dumb. You're feeling a little bit silly. And then here you are on camera basically having to bear your soul for clicks and views. Like, oh, being a content creator is hard, man. When it comes to stuff like this, it's difficult because it kind of makes sense because, you know, if you don't monetize it, then it's not going to help you in the end. And it kind of adds to the story. And if you do go to make your own channel, it might be beneficial for people to have like a beginning and a middle and an end to kind of look back on. If she ends up being super successful on the content creation side of it, this side, this clip will be a good thing to put in your compilation of like, hey, I started from the bottom. Look how down I was here. And I look how up I am. That's quite a good thing to talk about. But flip, man, I think sometimes humanity has to come in and be like, you know what? Let's just turn the cameras off and, you know, not record this because this is a little bit weird. It feels a little bit exploitative. But again, when it's your own girlfriend, when it's her deciding to do it herself, maybe it's okay. There's certain aspects like... I'm saying, like, it was bound to happen because, like, personally, like, I wasn't really, like, (laughs) you're gonna make me happy, like, (laughs) just doing what I was doing because I just felt stagnant and, like, I wasn't advancing in anything and just kind of doing the same old, same old. So I was looking and, like, doing something because I just felt bored, you know? Mm. Like, I wanted to get back into hair and starting getting creative and stuff. But I also did love working there, too, because, like, I did make great friends, like, I'm going to miss the girls. <laughs> you're still going to be in touch with the girls. Like, you're still, know, you're still talk like, to them. It's different. I don't know. It's just, it's crazy because it's just, it's, so much has changed in, like, such a little time. And it's just crazy to be a part of that. And, like, just, I don't know. It's, it, it, like, it really hit us when we were, like looking at the the Christmas photo, mm-hmm. and we're like, damn, that's it. It's like, this is an era that's not going to be around anymore. You know what I mean? At all. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand. I understand, obviously. Like exactly, it's, it's happening like, to multiple people. It's not just me, and it's. But with your situation, it was. It's it, just crazy. It was even like, like I don't know. You, uh, Riley got put in a really a fucked up position because. Look, he's gonna make it worse for it. He's gonna explain it, but this is the thing with firing. It always is personal. I've only gone through it what a couple of times. I feel like, and even if it's not personal, it's always personal. It always gonna feel personal, especially even my most recent. Um, let you know my most recent firing was like a wide company-wide thing unfortunately the company i was working at you know prior was like it got it basically went bankrupt um not the one i'm at now but the one before that and they just couldn't you know they just couldn't keep up the payments and they couldn't make payroll and stuff and it just it just happened but even then it feels personal so there's no amount of convincing with from anybody that's ever gonna make you feel like it's not personal it's strange, isn't it, firings? Even if you've been made redundant company-wide, like everyone gets made redundant, your whole team gets let go, you're always going to feel like it's personal, always. Like I said, like about a month ago, she was trying to get back into hairstyling and, you know, her hair career, basically, and she found a spot that was, like, kind of willing to, like, and it was actually a really, really nice spot that had really nice clients, so all this pissed. stuff, and rather was, like, trying to get this position to like enter into this job you know what i mean or this like a uh, salon a really good salon and then uh and riley had this discussion you know what i mean with no jumper where she was like hey guys like i'm planning on working this other job like can we somehow like work out a schedule Jesus where i can work Christ. there and work here you know what i mean or something like that and she was told oh no it's like it's fine like we'll give you a raise and then you know and, like we'll, we'll get you taken care of so that you don't have to go do that i was hyped Damn. and then like literally the next week is like when all the drama started like spinning Damn. out of control yeah and i was just like oh fuck like i i knew in my gut like that as soon as that monday hit and all the lush shit happened i was like no like this is not good yeah and i hit up that stylist i hit her back up and i was like I don't know what's going to go on with my job right now, but I have a bad feeling about it. Is there any way, like, you're down for me to still come back to work? And she's like, nah, like, I need a reliable person, blah, blah, blah. Because Riley had to, uh, like, miss one of the interviews because she was told, like, hey, you know, we actually have a better position for you here and whatever it is. But anyway, look, this, the, the matter of the fact is that girl is com it, it's incredibly dumb, unfortunately. Maybe it's her age. Maybe she's just naive in general. But honestly, the first thing that you should always learn from a job is that they're always going to look after number one. She should have never asked No Jumper for permission to go back into hairdressing or hairstyling. She should have just done it anyway. And as the great saying goes, don't ever ask for permission, always ask for forgiveness. And then kind of figured it out along the way. If it became a thing where No Jumper and the hairstyling thing were becoming too much and he should have quit one or the other, decide on the spot. But she should have never gone and asked permission because the same thing would have happened the other way around. If she, was, if she was a hairstylist and she told them, hey, in my off time, I'm working at this place called No Jumper, they would have also done the same thing. They would have said, no, don't go there. We're going to increase your money. We're going to give you more shifts, whatever, just to keep you on board because employers will always look after number one. So you as an employee, a freelancer, whatever it is, you have to make sure you look after yourself too. That's a number one rule of working anywhere in the job space. You just have to make sure you always look after yourself because they don't want to, they're never ever going to have your best interest out heart and in this case to be fair to no jumper also they weren't to they weren't they weren't gonna be um um they weren't to know that their whole world would employ would implode as well 
the following week the whole lush thing happens with no adam no on no jumper where adam fries lush on air because allegedly he leaked some information about what adam's saying about the host behind their backs or some guy on discord blah 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 and then that kind of started the whole cycle of everybody basically leaving getting fired leaving arguing and basically you know no jumper as we know it has kind of changed ever since then so they weren't to know that that was going to happen either but surely if you're somebody that is thinking if you're that riley or that person this girl you're like hey i'm already feeling stagnant at the job i want to make a bit of a change anyway you should have been thinking two three four five steps ahead already and the first thing mistake she done the first lethal mistake she done was ever asking a jumper flow flipping permission to go and do hairstyle she just gone ahead and did it anyway but it did get me thinking i think to myself if i was in that position i was yuri i think just because of how disrespectful the firing was i would have to step as well for my girl i'd have to step i'd have to step for my girl i'd have to step for my wife my whatever i'd have to step i'd have to just 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 our principle or at least if you're not going to do that at least throw a bit more of a tantrum on stream at least be a little bit more angry and frustrated and stuff and you know be saying things online and stuff that might be that might kind of bring her some comfort and bring you some comfort also that you're throwing a bit of a wobbler but just to sit there and be rolling up joints that's the first thing he's doing he's just rolling up weed he's just chilling smiling oh, why are you crying what do you mean why she's crying you know why she's crying it's the first time she got fired it's from a pretty decent job um it's it, it was during a time where she didn't wasn't like it's probably the worst time to get fired when you don't even like the job anyway it's okay to get fired from maybe it's, maybe it's okay it, it, it maybe it's gonna sting if you get fired from a job that you you know kind of um love but imagine that a job where you're kind of already kind of getting over it and you want to make a change but they decide to fire you before you leave that's gonna hurt <laughs> so you can imagine where she was at in that kind of mindset as well and she's obviously clearly you know a little bit more sensitive than flipping um you know um what you call it she's obviously more sensitive than yuri but i don't know man i just think if that was me i would step for my girl i would definitely step and i'll definitely make sure hey i'm gonna support you so i'm gonna go and roll as well even though it's gonna hurt us both but we're gonna figure it out you know we've got two brains here we're both quite young we can figure it out we can make sure we can keep the lights on and shit and kind of do what needs to be done but you know i guess they're gonna have to figure it out as they go along but yeah but big up riley hopefully she kind of lands on her feet but this is further proof that no jumper as we knew it has definitely over man it's over it's done it's a fact it's never coming back again that area is completely gone but yeah she should have been a little bit more clocked on as to what to do man um but yeah what can you do now she's young yeah yeah she, she, she's young i get you me richie she's definitely young um but i just think you have to grow up really quickly when you're in the workplace no one cares what your age is at work unfortunately 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 you have to just grow up there is no oh i'm young i don't know this thing no no either you grow up or you get taken advantage of and you know the worst thing possible when you're at work is finding out a number one you're not getting paid as much as people number two you're doing more work than people are doing and you're getting paid you know less than some people that are doing less work and that kind of stuff or just sometimes when you know when your concerns and stuff are not met or maybe you're not listened to and stuff it can just feel annoying so it's better to kind of you know counteract that is to grow up very quickly and to understand how people move and how they act in workplaces you should be you should be a little bit like that but again you know what do i know when it comes to sort of things what do i know anyway moving on from this i kind of wanted to make sure i'll quickly highlight this because i thought this is fucking hilarious i stumbled across on social and it kind of speaks for itself but i wanted to kind of play this because i feel like i have a feeling this is probably not real 
there's been a lot of these kind of clips from podcasts that have been going viral i feel like on social especially on tiktok where somebody basically takes a clip from a video podcast and puts some subtitles over it and clips up the most like controversial thing that person said in the show and um so number one i think that number two is also just a cool way to get people to start talking about nonsense topics right it's a really cool conversation starter because for the most part most people think whoever's talking sounds like an absolute lonely tune there's no one that listens to it thinking oh they're making a lot of sense but it just occupies like an interesting space there's this other space that's kind of popping up in the podcasting realm it started from being just audio then it transitions to video and now we and then it kind of went to zoom in the kind of pandemic era and now we've got these like portrait kind of framed podcast clips from like tiktok with subtitles that kind of go viral and they're usually under 50 seconds and it kind of is a controversial topic that people are now sharing it's a different sort of space now that they occupy and i can i can i can imagine the full episode of this podcast probably isn't over 30 minutes you'd imagine right the subject matter like how much you know how long can you talk about the same sort of topics over flipping 30 minutes but regardless this is the clip that went viral i'm sure most of you guys have seen it but it's pretty pretty hilarious and a very very self-explanatory Hey, this young lady. Proud thing that all these women have going on. I mean, I don't knock women for feeling proud and for wanting to have, you know, that girl power and holding things over him. But no, you've got to give it up, lady. I please my man in every way, all the ways. Wake him up, he gets to nut. Before he leaves out the door, he's leaving empty nuts. <laughs> At work, I am calling him like, come outside, it's your lunch break time for you to get your nut off when he gets home he's getting fed he is getting another nut and one before bed or two if he's lucky that's it that's a secret i make sure that my man nuts at least six or seven times a day. proud thing now if this is an elaborate advertisement for this lady's only fans or something then it's absolutely genius if this is actually how she thinks and this is definitely what she does for her man or for a partner then prayers for that dude if this is what he's required to do or this is what he wants to do like six times a day is legitimately insane but i just love it in terms of a format that like this is becoming like a thing this is becoming like a thing that like these sort of like portrait podcast video things with the subtitles and the controversial topic snappy cuts and editing and shit and it's just going viral like this actual clip itself on twitter on twitter alone because I'm sure it got shared on Instagram and on TikTok, but on Twitter alone, it's got 9.7 million views on Twitter alone. 9.7 millions, not including all the conversations around it and engagement and shit. It's got 9.7 million views. This is like a whole different, like, um, you know, space that we're now kind of moving into with podcasts where they're kind of occupying this weird zone. I don't even know what it is, like a zone-wise. It's just the strange places that they're in now where essentially if you wanted to you could essentially start a pod that doesn't even it's not even available on audio platforms you just start it and it's only video based or you just start it and it only exists on instagram it only exists on tiktok and you just have these really controversial sort of topics regarding relationships regarding men and women regarding sex regarding all that stuff and you just kind of hope that one time somebody is going to say something crazy it's going to go viral people are going to go crazy for it you just hope it's going to happen and i think these these we're definitely going to be seeing more of it going forward for sure we're going to see it but i have a feeling this is probably an only fans promo and i hope it is because it's an evolution because you see a lot of um 
I think especially on Twitter, you see a lot of OnlyFans girls underneath really viral posts, and they're like, "Oh my god, would you um, if I was laying in your bed, would you t- would you tell me to get out or something?" Those kind of questions, right? So people get to sign up on OnlyFans, but I think that kind of like troll has kind of been run dry. No one wants it anymore, or no one gives a crap. So now the new sort of flex is maybe creating these kind of fake podcast clips. Um, where you're kind of, you know, in a way, if guys are interested in this sort of stuff, they're going to click on your profile because they're going to be like, yeah, I like to nut 10 times a day too. So they're going to come out and go and grab it. So I love that kind of idea behind it, man. It's pretty, it's pretty funny, but big up her. Um, I'm sure this was a troll regardless, but it did also bring me on to this pretty cool article that I saw on Vox earlier, um, talking about influencers getting rich by teaching you how to get rich, right? And it kind of made me think about, what I saw on TikTok recently. I don't really use TikTok that often, but one thing you have to realize with TikTok, which I think they really smashed, is their algorithm is pretty crazy. Their algorithm is flipping insane because I feel like anytime you kind of log onto it, they do a good job of pushing all the stuff that's really trending at that moment to you. I remember there was a period in time where, for whatever reason, like all these young girls were wearing these particular type of pants, these like flared pattern things. And they were clearly that very thin material, very linen-y type. They'd kind of pull them up their flipping crack, the cracks of their bums, and they'd be dancing, you know, you know, flirtatiously or whatever on the video. And that was like a trend for a while. And you couldn't literally, even if you didn't follow any of these people, you didn't like any of it, you couldn't kind of scroll by more than five posts without seeing a post of some young lady, you know, in these really tight flares. So they do a really good job of kind of pushing at that moment. And now it feels like every time I log onto TikTok, the first thing I keep seeing are these like fresh faced, rosy cheeked, under 25 year old looking white dudes talking about the benefits of flipping drop shipping and, you know, Amazon fulfilled by FBA fulfilled by Amazon and businesses and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, it's just full full of it. How easy it is, how much money they're making. And obviously naturally for me being a skeptic that I am, the first thing I'm thinking, if, if all you guys are making so much money, why are you teaching everybody to make it? Like, it just doesn't make any sense in that regard. And it's always a course, it feels like. There's always a course that they're selling. It always has to be some sort of course that they're selling to make that make sense. And I think this article kind of speaks on it also. The kind of the these guys, these kids who are becoming wealthy from teaching people how to be wealthy, how to become wealthy, as opposed to actually teach them any skills, as opposed to actually teach them how to make a business. It's kind of like they're all basically selling ebooks about how you can also sell an ebook to be rich if you kind of get it. But it's just courtesy of Vox. It says the influencers getting rich by teaching you how to get rich. It starts off as here. Um, the, a digitized woman with long, long, with long blonde hair dancing in front of a black um, spreadsheet. The woman is a 30-year-old Kat Norton, better known as Miss Excel, who is in 2020 began going viral for her high-energy 15-second TikTok dances superimposed with hacks and navigate the popular dating software Microsoft Excel. Within months, she'd launched her very own digital class accelerator course made up of 100 sub 10 minute video tutorials packaged at a price of $297. Oh my God. Students can complete the tutorials at corresponding workbooks at their own pace on their own time. They chose between the, the original advanced course or shell out 997 for a course on a full Microsoft Office suite, going from a total Excel newbie to a pro in just 12 hours. I don't know how true that is because I'm really crap at Microsoft Excel. I'm not too sure if you guys are, are the same, but Excel has always been my Achilles heel. I'm a freaking savage on Word. I'm a savage on my on flipping PowerPoint. Um, 
I'm a savage on the other one. What's the other one they used to use? I used to use the other one back in the day for graphic design. I think it was like publisher and stuff. You can make like leaflets. I remember in, in college, I was I used, to, I used to smash publisher to make like leaflets and posters and stuff. I was really good at it. But when it comes to Excel, I was terrible at doing Excel. But maybe because I'm really terrible at numbers anyway in general. But I'm definitely not a numbers guy. But bloody hell, mate. She must be making bank if she's charging two ninety seven for these courses. But I don't know. But again, I'm I'm not really too sure if this is true. Could you go from being a complete noob in Microsoft Excel to a pro in twelve hours? Like, is that possible? Not really too sure. Anyway, con- continues. The classes were a hit, and practically among her core audience of twenty-five to thirty-five year olds who were looking to bulk up their resumes or improve their marketability. Many of them were working from home due to the pandemic and considering a potential career change. And Norton is the platonic example of an online course teacher. She's proficient in all her in-demand skill, and perhaps most importantly, she's very good at selling it. Um, but what? But no one, not even Norton, could have predicted what a goldmine she stumbled upon. Within two months of opening the course, she says she earned more than um, she earned more from classes sales than she made at her corporate job, which she included many other things, including teaching people to do Excel. Jesus Christ! Which she's since quit to be Miss Full Excel full time. She now estimates she works about fifteen hours a week, spending the rest of her time exploring the outdoors of Sedona, Arizona, with her boyfriend who handles the sales for the company. So far, they say that she's enrolled more than sixteen thousand people. Um, there have been multiple occasions on which they've brought more than six figures in a single day and claims confirmed by documentation viewed by Vox. It's when I um, do webinars, she says, and the live classes that those are the massive cash influx days. Oh my God, bruh. She's killing it. And think about this, right? About killing it with these kind of courses. She's absolutely smashing it. Legitimately smashing it. Wow. Um, I think this is a video, right? That she kind of does. Hopefully it doesn't play the music, but let, let's see what what these what this content looks like. But I imagine it's just like a white girl dancing, and with flicking Excel thing superimposed in the back. Let's see. There it goes. Yeah, Excel hacks you don't know about. She's got she's dancing in front of a white background with stuff and showing you all these little hacks and stuff. <laughs> you gotta love the internet, innit? She's making cake off of this nonsense. The dancing is terrible. Like everything about it is go- it's probably dog dog shit, but people are really getting a lot of credit, a lot of value out of it. I know some people. My, I'm not really the, the guy because I think I usually tend to go on YouTube. I know a lot of people who like to cook at home, like myself, have now switched to um, having all their tutorials through TikTok. I kind of like the ability to kind of pause easily on my YouTube and shit and rewind a bit, and it's a bit longer and kind of go through that process, but people just want to have short, snappy videos of people making a particular recipe, they'll go to TikTok first as opposed to going to YouTube. Like, really strange. I prefer to go to flipping um, um, YouTube personally because it's a bit easier to navigate, and I don't want to have it, I don't want to have jump cuts if I want to make a fucking cookie or some shit. I want it to be able to actually sit down and see it. <laughs> anyway, it, can, it continues here. It says, noted that many other influencers are cashing in on the online course boom, a coaches industry which anyone can learn uh, money-making or otherwise uh, life-improving skill. Oh, and that's what I want to say. Sorry, before I move on. I want to say here, because there's a bit here that says um, she now works 15 hours a, a week and she's spending the rest of her time exploring the outdoors in Sedona, Arizona with her boyfriend. This is why I say that Tim Ferriss, the author of 4-Hour Workweek, right? Tim Ferriss uh four hour work week this book in my opinion was legitimately one of the most important books i've ever read in my life ever 
And at the time, I felt like he got a lot of unfair stick when this book originally came out. I think it might have come out, what, 2007, I think? 2007? Let me see if I'm right. Yeah, right. I'm absolutely right. Cool. 2007, right, is the date of publishing of Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek. And the name of the book, I think, kind of put people off, legitimately put people off. And I think it kind of gave it a bit of a bad... Um, uh, it kind of gave a bad image. But essentially, 4-Hour Workweek... It was really like, how do you can say? It was legitimately like, um, it was legitimately one of those things that I kind of read at the time that kind of opened my eyes up to the to the ability, to the ability of being able to kind of live a life where I don't have to work nine to five for the rest of my life. It kind of opened up that possibility of that of that being actually within my grasp. And I love the idea behind it because the whole title of 4-Hour Workweek was a little bit, you know, a little bit deceptive. But the actual premise of the 4-Hour Workweek was that he wanted you, Tim Ferriss wanted you in his book to learn how to make a business, a muse, I think what it's called in the book, that essentially generated an income for you that you could pay and cover all your necessities. And it didn't require you to do more than four hours of work on it to kind of manage it. But then it allowed you the time to then do the things you actually wanted to do like learning how to salsa, like learning how to learn the language, learning a craft, going back to school, whatever it may be. It just was a way for you to kind of really kind of increase your your time so that you weren't a slave to your job in terms of converting your eight hours into money. It could kind of open up your flipping time. I think there's a passage in a book about being time rich, about the really wealthy people out there are the ones who basically get to do what they want when they want because they're not kind of bound or kind of locked into a job where they have to be at a certain place at a certain time. And this is a Again, it was before mass adoption of working from home. This is 20, 2007 where, you know, you don't get to work from home. Working from home is a, it's a real privilege and a real treat and stuff. So him kind of changing people's mindset in that regard was really, really interesting. And I remember when I went to Nicaragua to visit my friend um, that time, in a, around that time, maybe it was around 20, 2007, 2005-ish. No, 2007, no, maybe 2010 times I went to go visit my friend in Nicaragua. I remember when I went to this really cool hostel somewhere in Leon, one of the cities there, and I bumped into this Brazilian dude who was like, you know, living living the life for me anyway out there. He was flipping, you know, golden brown. He had a great head of hair. He was surfing every day. With his, and he had his little dog that he kind of would walk along the beach and run along with, surfing, chilling, eating great, you know, just looked amazing, always funny, always a smile on his face and just living life. But then I always, whenever I'd ask him what he was doing to kind of sustain his lifestyle, he'd always get a little bit sheepish and don't want to answer. But later on, I found out that what he essentially was doing was basically doing what I'm doing now, where you essentially get to work from home and sort of like, quote unquote, freelance and do loads of like at home, working from home, sort of like customer service, operation, social media managing stuff. That doesn't require you to be in one place at one time. You can kind of be location independent. So he was doing that location independent stuff in that like 2008, 2009, 2010, when I wasn't really aware of it and it wasn't that popular. So he was just, you know, reaping the rewards of it and kind of living this kind of I think at the time they used to call it digital nomad sort of lifestyle and that's what he kind of was over to kind of do so I say all this to say that the four-hour work week really set a precedent back in the day it really kind of set a precedent it kind of um was something that kind of I think was ahead of his time actually that's the fact that it was ahead of his time 
and definitely was ahead of his time. And now it looks like these kids are basically doing the same thing. They're taking the tenets of the four-hour work week and applying it into the modern age because most of these kids don't want to work, right? There's loads of articles of kids who are essentially, you know, against working a regular job. They they routinely walk out of jobs if it doesn't suit their needs and shit. And all of it is kind of geared towards this idea of kind of, you know, um, all about increasing the lifestyle aspect of it and not trying to kill themselves working nine to fives like probably my generation did. But anyway, it continues. Um, Norton had many influences. Um, uh, sorry, Norton and many other influencers are cashing in on the online course boom, a cottage industry in which anyone can learn a money-making or otherwise life-improving skill. The Microsoft Office suite, email marketing, gut health, um, equitable sorry, household labor, how to get tech job and self-confidence from some they already trust. Um, these courses hosted on one of the dozens of make-your-own course platforms like Teachable or Kajibi can run from a few hundred bucks to a thousand dollars from a day-long intensive to a month's long course what most of them have in common is that they're undertaken completely independently from the majority of the students that are part of the specific cohort but can sign up as a complete work as itself it makes sense then why so many of these classes have become businesses uh, are about business sorry even online courses devoted to boosting your confidence are pretty explicitly geared towards improving one's marketability the online course creator is distinctly american character one who teaches um preaches sorry that the sun sun rest way to financial stability self-employment and more important than any other singular interest science um art or music or sports or whatever is your ability to sell to everyone else so this really strange kind of like push that they're kind of having online where everyone has to be an entrepreneur is interesting but i do like this kind of aspect of it where it's sort of like on it's kind of like lifestyle entrepreneur it's not like actually being like a you know like a actual serial entrepreneur where you're, you, you can't stop making businesses you're always trying to sell you're always trying to you know build something to sell it to a big corporation and you're kind of in that kind of game it's about just allowing people the lifestyle that they want where they don't have to be kind of bound to the idea of working a nine-to-five but i also do think it kind of misses the point because i think most people just want to earn a bit more money or they want to have their money go a bit more further so maybe they had this idea that they want to start a business they want to have a side hustle but once you start doing it, you start realizing how hard it is <coughs> you start thinking oh actually maybe some people are cut out to be pretty good employees there's nothing wrong with being a really good employee and kind of smashing it in that way and becoming a really valuable member of a team. Being a really good number two to somebody is just as good as actually starting your own company. So I don't know. I'm a little bit dubious of this kind of trend because I feel like a lot of the kids out there maybe need that other side of the conversation to be spoken about also. Anyway, you could really, you could, if you really wanted to, write off an influencers on any courses as a cynical cash grabs by people who know their followers will fork uh, over any amount of money um, for their tutelage. But that wouldn't tell the whole story. The travel YouTuber Damon Dominique's foreign language courses, for instance, are full of funny, beautifully edited videos in which he teaches students conversational French or Spanish, interspread with entertaining stories about his escapades hitting on men at European raves. Like Norton of Miss Excel, Dominique already had a background in language teaching but decided to launch a course where the pandemic made it difficult to film travel videos. For creators like Dominique, online courses are a welcome respite from the erratic, unpredictable nature of making content on or on internet platforms it says 
there's a change in the algorithm every two months oh that's a good point i didn't think about actually there's a change in the algorithm every few months and right now it's all moving towards short form video um it took him about six months to organize film edit and 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 edit a course offered on a digital course platform teachable which like most course platforms takes either a percentage of the revenue cost um, of a creator a few thousand per year to use depending on which pricing model they chose so far more than five thousand people have taken his 199 french course five thousand people taking online french courses and the funny thing about it right is that most likely i w- it would imagine it w- i would imagine that most of these people have probably learned way more from this kid's french courses than they would have learned in school most likely they've definitely learned more i mean that's the kind of gut-wrenching part of it like even for me like i remember you know when i started realizing oh shit i actually always did like history even though i was a bad student at school with it i used to flip in love history in school but it was it was teach it was taught really terribly but then when i found like hardcore history and other history-based podcasts and shit during the time that i found it i suddenly realized that yeah i could sit down and listen to a six hour plus you know epilogue on fucking genghis khan because i legitimately was interested in it and because the way that it was being taught or it was being explained to me by that guy um that does hardcore history it definitely did kind of resonate a lot more so um that's a really scary part and really sad thing about these sort of things you could spend five years in school learning french not learn a single lick of it but then you pay this kid 200 dollars, and then it legitimately teaches you something that you can actually use on your little parisian trip and and it actually kind of reignites this desire for you to learn languages and who knows by the end of the year you might be going to some other places too on the back of it so but yeah exactly the, the, the dan carlin yeah exactly that's the guy missing dan carlin absolutely top 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 man i love dan carlin man um i, I wish he would 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 um restart his podcast too i think it's called making sense the one where he just talks about just like regular news and politics and stuff i know he gets bummed out about li- doing it and stuff because you know he gets a little bit too hard into it and kind of you know it can get a bit conspiratorial but i did enjoy them um Anyway, it continues. Teachable doesn't consider itself a replacement for higher education per se, but it does hope to supplement it. People never go to college. So it says most people never go to college and they need a solution that works for them and their life, explained Teachable General Manager Mark Hasseltine. The challenge with traditional education is so expensive and it's on the school's time, not the individual's time. A lot of professors are more concerned about their own reputation influences. He argues are experts are engaging with their audience who in turn trust them to educate in a way that they're already familiar with. Academics, however, don't always see the influences of the best professors. Some of these influences do the legitimate training in the field and some do not, but they are able to position themselves in the credible as experts by using the acceptable boundaries or patterns of communication or authenticity, said Emily Hund, a research affiliate at the Central Digital Culture and Society at the University of Pennsylvania, Annenberg School of Communication. Bloody hell, what a title of a school, in it? That's sometimes that's probably what they do, in it? They just they just have these long falutin names for schools to make you feel like you're actually doing something credible with your life. Uh, the Center on Digital Culture and Society at the University of Pennsylvania Annenberg School of Communication. Like, God damn it. Anyway, in the realm of parenting stuff, um, there are so many people selling parenting courses from every possible angle. On one hand, it's great when it comes from an actual trained psychologist because now more people can access the helpful tips. On the other hand, every day you're getting content about what might go wrong with your kid. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like going on WebMD to see if you've got a really bad cough, don't go on WebMD. Don't do it. 
under any circumstances. It continues, um, it creates a this strange dynamic that shifts to selling ways of thinking and ways of approaching the world. Um, but yeah, I've enjoyed it. I'm not going to read the whole entire thing, but I think it's really, really cool what we're seeing at the moment. Um, influencers taking learning into their own hands. I hold cohort of fans basically buying onto it. And I think like most of these things online, even if it is a bit scammy, I think most people will sniff it out. So even if you, the person is able to kind of run off on them, plug and make a bit of money, I think in the long term, it probably benefits them if they're actually legit because they'll get a lot of returning customers. They'll get a lot of people eulogizing and evangelizing for their works. So they won't have to advertise in the slightest because word of mouth will tell people, hey, go to this guy. He does really good Spanish courses. Go to this person. He does really good, you know, basic electrician, house maintenance type of courses. Those type of things exist. So it's kind of within their it's within their best interest to kind of provide a good service, a good product, so they have people kind of returning and coming back, so it's not just a one-off, one-time purchase type of thing. So I do like seeing it, but I do think it's funny to see some of the guys and gals who are doing the whole, I'll teach you how to get rich by teaching you how to make another ebook to get rich again. Do you know what I mean? I love all that stuff. I really do love that stuff. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Anyway, moving on from that, moving on, I saw this on social media, and it got me thinking overall, as to why possibly a place like Bergheim hasn't decided to maybe double down and kind of offer this stuff more um, for customers. Like, I wonder what the reason is behind not doing this. And this is a post that's kind of gone somewhat viral on my side of the internet featuring um, the DJ Adil, who is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Italian and kind of plays a lot in Berlin and whatnot. And she's out here wearing this really, really nice Berghain t-shirt. It's got the Berghain logo on the back and then it's got Berghain written in red with the logo in black on a mild grey. There's something about that combo. Maybe it kind of reminds me of the classic Supreme Box logo hoodie. The best, the best one, basically, which is the grey pullover hoodie that's got the red box logo with the white font. It kind of reminds me of that kind of makeup, but I still think, you know, there's something about heather grey t-shirts in general that kind of just sit right with me from my kind of, you know, streetwear aesthetic. But this t-shirt, I think, is pretty perfect and pretty sick. And I think it would look incredible on a hoodie as well. Just imagine this logo with the Bergheim logo and the Bergheim text. And then you just have maybe the logo in, in the front, really small, in the middle of the chest. And then the logo, like, just, or maybe on the side of the chest, how good that would look. It would look incredible. And for some reason, for some reason, this is not available online. Now, I don't know if they gave this to her to wear to kind of promote and put it out there because as you can see from my side of the internet, it's kind of gone a bit crazy. She's already got 2,000 plus people liking it. The comments on there, people asking, look, always wanted one of these color, flames, flames, flames. Loads of people are clearly, you know, enamored with it and pretty much going to be wanting one. And of course, as most of these big DJs do, they never fucking answer questions. This, this is kind of a little pet peeve of mine, but there's something about these people, these high these like really famous DJs out here, especially in the scene where I think that they have like an odd contempt for their fans or they kind of treat them. I don't know. Maybe they think they're better than their fans or something. I don't know what it is about some of these DJs. They have a weird ego because I know it's not that deep. Again, please forgive me for analyzing this sort of stuff, but this DJ, right? is has how many followers she's got. 120,000 followers. So she, again, you know, she's pretty popular on social media. Let's not lie, but still like, would it really bother her? Would it really kind of cost her any time to quickly reply to this one comment here that says, oh, they have the t-shirts back in stock? Question mark. Not even a like, not even a little reply. Zero, nothing, no engagement, no nothing. Just put the post up, let people like and leave you comments and double heart and shit. 
but you don't reply or give them any sort of love in any way, shape or form. And the reason why I say that kind of annoys me is because, you know, I've had the pleasure of kind of bumping into people like Harry Styles, right? At flipping random bars in Dawson somewhere where he's being hounded by loads of flipping annoying hipsters trying to get pictures of him, trying to buy him a drink, girls trying to flirt with him, guys trying to get, you know, flipping IDs on his flipping Gucci jacket. I've seen him out and about. And that guy, let me tell you, he's a flipping gentleman, a pro. He he does that thing that a lot of kind of really high level celebrities do where they make it seem like you're the center of the world in that kind of really brief interaction that you have and then they just keep it moving. He's never kind of still, always moving, always kind of, in, but you always feel like he's kind of engaging and, re, you know, replying back to his fans and kind of having communication. Whereas I feel like a lot of these people, like if you, if you shouted her name out as you're standing in a queue and she walked past you, I feel like she might turn around and look at you like, you know, you're kind of shit on the bottom of her shoe. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know why they have this kind of ego about them. It's really strange. I think it's kind of represented, re represented or representative of kind of how they or reflective, sorry, in how they kind of communicate with their fans on their social media. Cause I'm sure if I go on her page, I can find loads of posts where people are asking her questions, like actual questions. Hey, I love that song in that clip you posted. Hey, what's the track ID for this mix? Hey, will you be releasing this record? And I bet you none of them have got replies, but this is a, such an easy question to say like, no, um, or just put a, a, a reply with an emoji, like do something, but absolutely zero, no love, no love. And I absolutely hate it. I don't, I don't see how Harry Styles can, you know, can be, you know, has the time to reply back to his fans and give them double hearts on comments. But these guys don't, I can't stand it. Anyway, that aside, the t-shirt is sick. I'd want to see it in a hoodie. I'd want to see it in a long sleeve or a jumper somewhere. Um, but for some reason, when you go on the Berghain website, I know it's a little bit, um, what you call it, not safe as work and shit. But for some reason, they don't really try to kind of like push the merch out too much. They make it when they make it. Whatever's available is available. But there's not really a push to kind of make a lot of it, which is interesting because Berghain's, again, the num the world's most famous, you know, nightclub. Um, It's definitely the number one nightclub for me and the kind of music that I'm into. And there's a loads of flipping really, really passionate fans about of the club like myself um, who would, I think, legitimately spend a pretty penny on you know getting the latest and greatest flipping merch from Berghain even if it was made this way if they put out a lot, a lot more of this sort of stuff especially in that sort of colorway that would sell like hotcakes whereas the stuff they have available looks like all the old stuff that didn't really maybe sell that well but the actual thing that I think works well the one with the, that Berghain logo which I think might be this one here actually that's in black I'm surprised they don't make more of it. Like, this is really nice as well, right? This one, it's got the Bergheim logo and it's got Bergheim written on the back. What size is available? It's only available in girls, so it's all sold out. So clearly there's not been a lot of it made. And I wonder why they decide not to do it. I wonder if this is like a them not wanting to sell out and keep it kind of pure and about the music and not make it a tourism type of thing and you know not wanting to like not wanting to turn the Bergheim t-shirt into like the I love New York sort of thing. Maybe that's a vibe they don't want to do because maybe if they think if they start doing this and pushing out the merch, you start getting loads of unofficial bootlegger type places shifting, you know, loads of merch, unofficial stuff with Bergheim logos all over it. I'm not really too sure, but I'm also sure there's probably people out there who probably make their own Bergheim merch that they kind of wear themselves. But I'm just surprised they don't push it more because I feel like a lot of people would definitely wear it. Like these Banaclavas aren't too bad, but I definitely would... Um, 
be um on it for sure if they decided to put out merch similar to what this Adil lady is wearing here on this flipping picture that's a heavy gray with the black logo um red text and burger and it's absolutely fantastic but yeah um big up them anyway regardless even if they don't want to make it i'm still going to be there anyway in it just flipping perusing and making sure my voice is heard <laughs> anyway moving on courtesy of complex we've got a really cool um article which i'm sure is going to be the topic of most podcasts out there especially if you listen to podcasts that are somewhat hip-hop based hip-hop themed having urban slanting to them i'm sure a lot of your favorites are going to be ranting and raving about this list but complex know how to flip in jump onto the algorithm they know how to go viral they know how to kind of put these kind of controversial topics and things out there so it looks like complex did a hip-hop media power ranking and for once it's reflective, I think, of the current landscape and what actually people listen to. So this is them. It says, um, who has the most power in hip-hop media from rappers to radio hosts to YouTubers to Twitch streamers and everyone in between. Here is our inaugural power um, ranking of hip-hop media personalities. And there's some interesting names included there who I think don't deserve a place and some people who I'm happy to see on there. So the media rankings go as follows. Um, let's see who's on the list. <clears throat> so number 25, you've got Jazzy. Um, that's that young girl that kind of does really cute interviews with loads of big celebrities and hip hop and shit. And you know, her interviews are fairly decent for the most part. Um, I don't really listen or watch them out, but it's quite nice to see people who generally don't give interviews decide to kind of give this young girl a shot because she's new and fresh in the industry. But you know, once she gets older and she starts becoming messy like everyone else does, they're all going to run a mile from her. So it's just nice to see her kind of get her love early on. Um, you got Nyla Sim Simone. I don't really know her too much. I'm not going to lie. Sway Calloway dropped quite a bit to be a 23, to be honest, but he's maybe reflective of this era we're in at the moment. I don't think people really care about Sway that much. Um, maybe that kind of, you know, um, the viral moment with Kanye might be his most um, relevant thing he's done in a while outside of maybe what he actually does day to day in hip hop, but he's not the most kind of popular. I don't imagine most kids. Nardwa, I think is a legend. And definitely should be far higher up in that list, especially considering the breadth of music that he covers and the research that he does for his interviews is unparalleled. So he should be a lot higher, I think. Anthony Fantano, I feel like isn't really a really good reflection of hip hop media because he does, he's not really hip hop. And I wouldn't ever go to him. I don't listen to him anywhere when it comes to music. I feel like it's redacted, in my opinion, to listen to anybody to go to anybody to get like recommendations or what to listen to. There's so much music out there, especially on platforms that you can kind of check out. You don't need someone to kind of tell you what's good and what's not. But even if that's the case, I wouldn't go to him for hip hop. Maybe I'd go to him for like alternative or indie type music, but I wouldn't go to hip hop. He doesn't really have good taste in hip hop and I don't just trust his opinion overall. So that's a bit of a strange one to have Naldwa under Fontana, in my opinion. Um, Nadesca Alexis, again, she's a little bit of a damp squib in my opinion um i kind of enjoyed her a little bit when she was doing that show with joe budden and flipping academics she was a pretty decent you know moderator in that regard but she's a little bit too political obviously got certain connections with certain people certain favors and certain favorites and whatnot and she just if if in my opinion she kind of feels like a angela Yee regen so it's a little bit like the same old you know same old not really interesting not really she doesn't really have much going for her outside of that the only thing i did kind of enjoy from alexis sorry nadesco alexis i think she's got if i'm not mistaken a show on apple and she had like a playlist like an r&b playlist one time i checked out i was fairly decent so maybe her playlist abilities are pretty cool so big up her in that regard adam 22 being 19 is also a bit of a mad one um considering that he hasn't really been 
on it when it comes to hip hop interviews. I feel like he's kind of strayed away from being from continuing being the voice of the younger generation because obviously when No Jumper started a lot of their kind of early success came from their ability to kind of tap into and interview a lot of the kind of up-and-coming guys like you know like the Triple XX, um, Slump God and all those kind of guys, um, the SoundCloud generation but then it felt like over time he kind of got bored of it and he wanted to become a little bit more mainstream and get more you know normal quote-unquote high level tier kind of um you know people and over time obviously um that didn't work out because clearly people didn't like him as a person and maybe him being white didn't affect it who knows but definitely now with him being adam 16 and all these allegations out there you know he probably doesn't deserve to be anywhere near this list to be completely honest but hey it is what it is big boy probably deserves to be there number 18 la legend and shit but again He's probably like Sway, not with the most relevant, I guess, with this young generation. Um, Jinx probably deserves to be there. Um, maybe not 17, considering with the young generation. He probably is a little bit tapped in with them. But again, I don't really check out his stuff. Any, I don't really know what he speaks about, what his opinions on music, to be honest, or what his taste is. So I wouldn't really know. Um, Peter Rosenberg, I feel, has actually been nowhere near here. I feel like he's probably the worst of the person on this list, especially considering his experience. He's got horrible taste. Um, he's incredibly bitter, incredibly old, no swag, nothing. And I don't know, it's just not the person I'd go to when it comes to hip hop media in the slightest. Um, Funk Flex definitely is the legend in his own regard and is maybe a, one of the only old heads who's in, in reinvented himself many times over the years. So he probably deserves that spot. Angela Yee, I feel like is a little bit dusted and gone. Um, not really somebody I check out for interviews. Um, not really interesting when it comes to her musical opinion or taste. And, you know, that show that she does is the most popular one, which is what? Um, Lipstick something, what's it called? Something about kissing people. What's it called? It's called some, she got some show. That's a lip service, sorry, lip service. Um, I don't ever check out because it's just, you know, messy type of stuff, which I'm not really interested in. And I don't really give a fuck about. So, yeah, Angelie, I can pass that one. Ebro definitely shouldn't be that fire on list either i feel like he's just a little bit of a gatekeeper more so in an industry figure but not really a hip-hop media outlet i would kind of trust in any way shape or form and personally he's the main reason why i stopped listening to hot 97 one of the main reasons why i don't listen to hot 97 anymore is ebro he was so annoying um such a unlikable person and definitely somebody that i definitely didn't agree with when it comes to his opinion on the new era of music and the industry and certain people and shit he just had horrible takes and over time it just became a bit annoying and he kind of turned you know hot 97 into fucking the talk sport of hip-hop industry and shit so no for me angie martinez being a legend that she is probably makes sense to be there but again not very hip-hop nowadays I feel like she's more kind of going into a kind of oprah era it feels like jason lee holly one lot probably deserves to be there very messy um very controversial but definitely deserves to be up there because he just you know he doesn't mind getting in the flipping gutters and kind of exposing people and talking about nonsense and putting out crazy rumors and shit still it goes down in history when he tried to predict the flipping death of the queen right he got some terrible intel he put the news out there people are like thinking hold on why is hollywood unlocked with the, the, the platform that will break the story of flipping queen elizabeth dying and then i think she ended up dying a few months later but that was the kind of thing that i kind of won't stop that's the kind of thing i associate immediately when i think of jason lee i'm um, trying to preempt the flipping queen elizabeth dying it was absolutely hilarious matt hopper being up there so early is really a good look for him 
he's only been, I feel like, putting out content, especially in a, as a hip-hop media outlet, seriously for the past two years or something. So to go this quickly, to only be doing it for two years, prof seriously, and only because I've noticed him two years, maybe he's doing it longer, but for two years and to kind of be this high up and be in the top 10, that's a hell of an achievement. So big up Matt Hoffa. DJ Vlad, of course, makes sense. He should be top 10, but he probably should be way higher than top 10 if you're really thinking about it. Elliot Wilson, Rap Radar, shouldn't be there at all. Um, he definitely should be around where flipping Ebro and Paul Rosenberg are. A little bit dusted, a little bit of a beggar. Um, not really for me personally. Kind of find his laugh annoying also. Um, um, Carissa, JT, from it's just, this is, this is, this is really insulting. This is definitely Payola. JT from Flipping City Girls um, with a show, Carisha, please. She should not be number seven in the slightest. This is really offensive. If I was Ebro, and again, I don't like those guys. I don't like Paul Rosenberg. I don't like all those guys. But if all those guys, if I'm even Vlad, I'd be super offended that I'm under Flipping Carisha. Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, one show that she did that her boyfriend at the time, Diddy, gave to her, where she got to interview, interview, quote-unquote, some, some of her friends and ask some messy questions, like, what's that got to do with like being a hip-hop media outlet that was bullshit not not for me um kai cena definitely deserves to be there for sure the twitch streamer he's done a lot of kind of memorable moments of his twitch stream interviewing rappers and shit he deserves to be there nori from drink champs for sure number five makes sense gilia Wilder, number four definitely makes sense in that regard Simon the god being number three regardless of the wane of the breakfast club definitely shows his power and influence the funny thing is all in this there's no dj envy so Charlemagne's in this, Angela Z years in this, but no DJ Envy. Interesting. Um, DJ Academics definitely deserves to be number two. And then number one, we've got Joe Budden. As much as I dislike the guy and I don't listen to the Joe Budden podcast anymore because of how dirty he did Rory or Moore and just kind of, you know, him just turning me off in terms of his personality because one moment he's for the creators, next moment he's fucking scamming off his friends. You have, you can't deny that he's definitely a big voice in this kind of hip hop media space for sure. But, but, but I think if I'm the rest of the guys seeing Carisha above me, would definitely piss me off. That is insulting to say the least. She does not deserve to be in the slightest. But I'm sure this list will generate loads of attention, loads of clicks. People are going to get crazy about it. But it also makes me think in general. If everyone's listening to these shows, who's listening to the music? Sometimes I think to myself, like, are these music stats, these first week sales, are they really reflective of what's happening in real life? Because I feel like no one really, I feel like the only people who really listen to music nowadays are the fans of said artist. I don't feel like the general consumer is out there listening to albums and watching concerts. Like, for instance, like, have people legitimately been checking out that Dreamville concert? It was live streamed on Amazon Music. Are they actually checking that out? Would they watch it? Or are they just kind of, you know, listening to the review and to the insights from these hip hop media outlets? or whatever it may be and that's how they get their content or i don't even listen to music overall i just wait for the artists that they like to go on a press tour then they hear them talk about the making of the album and that's good enough for them because a lot of it i feel like there's a lot of guys on this list who are getting like hundreds of thousands millions of views on what they do so if that's the case and people are listening to the stuff behind in background music what are they doing with music are they listening to actual music I don't know. Something tells me that there's some fudging of the numbers going on behind the scenes. People are not actually listening to music as much as they say they, as much as the industry tells you they are, but they are listening, watching podcasts. So maybe the podcasting space is quite undervalued. 
these guests, these artists, or sorry, these um hip hop media figures and whatnot are very underpaid. Maybe that's where wrote sorry, that's when that's where maybe Joe Biden was right in terms of how hard he was on the Spotify deal and how much of a hard bargain he drives of overall with what you know, with how he kind of, you know, judges himself and his value. Maybe he's right. Maybe these guys are a lot more important um in media, in culture then they get given credit for obviously a lot of it comes from because you know even myself included being a cultural commentary cultural commentator you are commenting more on people what people are doing as opposed to doing what you're meant to be doing or creating things yourself so there comes a point where people can say justifiably you're only there you're only position that you're in to you're only the position you're in now because there are talented people out there putting out amazing works of art whether or not they're good or bad for you to kind of critique for the for, for better or worse but let's not also deny that these guys do move the needle. They do affect culture in a big way. They do contribute to telling very interesting stories or being part of interesting narratives or painting interesting pictures. So maybe they are undervalued a little bit for their influence. Maybe they are. Maybe they are undervalued. Maybe they should be even more valued than the artist, actual artists themselves because they, they are the one remaining constant. Artists kind of come and go. Some, you know some become some fulfill their potential some don't but one thing that remains true throughout the entirety of time is that these media figures stay so maybe there's some point to what Bradham was saying maybe there is some point to but check out if you want there it's called the hip-hop media power ranking from complex um i'm sure like i said it's going to be really a point of contention with a lot of people in flipping the podcasting space or where they sit on it but overall i think they got the list pretty much decent i just would change the order and i think carisha from from city girls has no business even being in the top 20 in my opinion but hey you know what do i know what do i know then leading on to this, I thought this was pretty cool. This is a clip taken from the Dreamville Fest where Drake basically got the whole crowd to sing Whitney Houston's I Love You for flipping J. Cole um, to basically give him his flowers and to kind of thank you for putting on a good festival, which was pretty sick. But one thing I want to note from it was just that for some reason, it looks like maybe it was a rule, but I hope it was that J. Cole basically implored everybody to perform without backing track. And this was 10 times better of an experience to watch on video than Rolling Loud. Honestly, it makes such a big difference when these hip-hop acts decide to actually sing without a backing track. So no MP3 playing behind with their vocals and they're screaming over it. Just empty spaces that they can actually rap and breathe into a microphone and have people sing along in the crowds. It's pretty sick. But I think this moment from Drake was incredibly classy, very on point. And just goes to show, you know, his ability to create these flipping moments. This is probably why he creates soundtracks for people's lives, myself included, because he's able to select these songs that kind of match what's going on, because this is going to be an excellent compilation. This is going to be actually a compilation clip to put in the documentary of J. Cole further down his life, Jeremy, that Drake basically, one of the biggest stars in music, was able to kind of acknowledge him and his contribution by doing such a thing. I flipping love it. Let's play it. Oh, for goodness sake. Big up Twitter's players are always making, always making sense. Oh, for goodness sake. Why is it doing this? Come on. Work for me. Work for me. Work for me. Yo. While he can be very egotistical, I think you have that Joe and his ex cast take wrong, bro. 
Nobody is going to treat your investment or business with care like you will. Yeah, big up a story to tell, brother. I appreciate you for the ten dollar super chat, man. Thank you so much. I, sorry, the, the alert didn't come up there. I, I've got to change it, put up on there. No, you may have a point there. Um, why I think you, why I think you could be egotistical. I think you have a take on Jordan's who's wrong. Nobody's going to treat. No, for sure, I get that. I just think, in general, what we've seen over time with these podcasters is that, for whatever reason, they will start off with friends. They will start off as friends, especially if it's a group thing. And it becomes very difficult for them to transition from being friends to being business partners and to also treat or to just to treat the business with a level of friendship and care, maybe love and care. I don't know what to say, but there's basically a disconnect that happens there for some reason. And I feel like both parties are right. I feel like if you're Rory and Moore and you expected more from Joe because he's your friend, I think you're right in that way of thinking. You're valid to feel that way. But if you're Joe... And that's your baby and you feel like those guys aren't contributing the way you feel that they should and they maybe aren't worth the money that they're basically demanding. You're within your right also to withhold, to not want to release the accounting, to not want to give them a bigger pair share of the pie, to only make them profit, revenue, split partners, whatever nonsense. You're fair to do all that stuff. You're in your right mind to do it because it's what you own and it's yours. But I just feel like if it was me and I was working with friends, there will just be an element of me that would want to do right by them as friends because we are friends working together. I don't think it should always be, oh, we're business partners, first, friends, second sort of thing and just be cutthroat. I think business can be done well, um, even if you are friends. And I feel like in this new podcast media space that we're in or content creation space, why not just try and rewrite the rules of business? Vince has been super shady, especially the music industry. It's full of flipping snakes and vipers. Um, there's this artist here in the UK called Hardy Cap sorry, um Hardy Cap Capo, Hardy Capo, I forgot his flipping name. This little black kid, sorry, young, young guy who's going for a real big issue at the moment with Universal. And he's basically talking about how horrible it's been on his mental health to have Universal basically withholding funds from him, not wanting to release certain amounts, taking money out of his budget, or taking money out of his wages. Like it's been really stressful, you can tell, for him to kind of get that things figured out, which is maybe the reason why he's not been releasing music. And it kind of, you know, speaks to a larger issue of rural in the industry where artists are basically being put in a position where they can't even focus on being creative and putting music out because the business is so terrible. So those things matter. So if that's the case of music industry is being is full of flipping demons, then why not try and rewrite the rules? Why not try and do better in this new industry that's got no rules? Why not try and kind of do it the way you'd want it to be done and be like, hey, you know what? Because I was scummed over in the music industry side of things, now I have this podcast I'm going to do as much possible to make sure that I don't fuck over people the same way I got fucked over. But I feel like some of these guys, because they got fucked over, they want to make sure that they do it to the next person so that they kind of can feel whole or something. I don't know. I just don't like it. I think it's horrible, but maybe I'm in the wrong there. Anyway, go back to this video. Let's see if you can play. Oh, it's not going to play, is it? Damn, son. for some anyway you, you get a gist i thought it's just a nice just nice, it's just a nice touch um i think it's just a nice touch from drake to flip and play that record uh look at <laughs> elon changing the flipping twitter logo to dogecoin is flipping hilarious man that guy is the ultimate troll but i thought it was just a really nice touch from elon regardless sorry elon from um drake to flipping um what's his name to uh j cole 
hopefully I can play a little bit of it. I know if I play, it'll probably get me taken off of YouTube anyway, so I probably shouldn't even bother doing it. I'll definitely get a copyright strike for flipping playing it in the first place. So maybe it's a good thing it's not working. Let's just do it one more time and see what the vibe is and then we'll kind of move on to the next topic. Bear be as it screen loads and see what happens here. <laughs> Tech issues but a surprise. Yeah, exactly. Big up hand Chris Costas. <laughs> you know the vibes. Tech issues for sure. You know? I go, I go text, I go text issues, Zinga, mate. That's what my name should be. Anyway, you get the gist. 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 Big up Drake for giving J Cole his flowers. They look pretty sick. Um, I watched a couple of clips of it actually and it's awesome and I'm just kind of again thankful for J. Cole I'm not sure if it was a rule but if he did stipulate if he did stipulate that they could have they have to make sure that they were all flipping what's it called that everyone performing was performing with the backing track I love it I love it because it was definitely um, definitely definitely um, felt I definitely felt that definitely 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 felt that anyway moving on from this this is pretty funny. Have you guys seen this? This is flipping hilarious. I felt like <laughs> it definitely goes to show how terrible of flipping guests we are in countries. Look at this. Curse of enemy. Amsterdam launches a stairway campaign aimed at young British men. I love it. Specifically young British men. Doesn't even say British people, whatever. Young, I, no, young British men. You know who's targeting. So it's courtesy of enemy. It says Amsterdam City Council is urging young males, tourists from the UK to stay away from the Dutch capital in a bit to tackle nuisance behavior. As the BBC News reports, a new advertising campaign has been rolled out to discourage people who plan on having a messy night out in the European sex and drug hotspot. <laughs> the initiative is aimed at the British men aged 18 to 35. In the online ad, an, a young male tourist is seen staggering on the street before being arrested by police viewers um are warned that such drunk disorderly behavior could result in a 140 euro fine and a criminal record it is reported that the stairway adverts will be triggered when people in britain search terms like stag party or cheap hotel amsterdam or pub crawl amsterdam on the internet <laughs> the free flipping kryptonites of amsterdam they hate stag parties they hate people looking for cheap hotels and they hate pub crawls into hilarious additionally the local council has introduced billboards displaying photos of residents along with the captions we live here in an effort to combat the issue so i guess this is an advert as well of it let's quickly play this stay away i'm tested for a messy night and getting trashed 104 euro fine the criminal record you will press prospects. <laughs> so coming down to them for a messy night. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> I also love how they got it in like the Supreme Box logo, right? They got it in that box logo print. Stay away. <laughs> Yo, British people are such nuisances. We are so messy. We are such a we're so we're such a delinquent country that we have whole entire cities 
declaring that they don't want us to flip and be there. Crazy. An accompanying How to Amsterdam campaign will include posters, screens in hotel lobbies, and hosts um, approaching visitors to remind them of their manners. There's also plans in the works to move the red light district's distinctive neon light windows to a new erotic zone which is located away from Amsterdam's residential area. From this weekend, brothels and bars will um, have earlier closing times, a ban on smoking cannabis on the streets and in and around the red light districts coming to restrict on May. It was announced last month. Oh my God, that's so horrible. As the BBC, actually, let me see this actually. What's this ban on time? Because I actually want to go there to go flipping to school, that flipping techno um, club in Burton, Amsterdam, actually, legendary one. As BBC notes, there's still a debate about whether the tourists should be banned from the Dutch cannabis cafes. Brits have concurrent, currently purchased and returned flights from Amsterdam as little as £50. The city has a population of 883,000 people, welcomes approximately 20 million tourists per year bloody hell mate they only have they have a population under a million but they welcome over 20 million tourists per year um sofian mabrek the deputy mayor of economic affairs at the inner city told the guardian visitors are still welcome but not if they are misbehaving cause a nuisance as a city we're saying we'd rather not have this so stay away <laughs> yo we are such bad tourists but i don't deny it though because i remember one of the one of the funniest things to see, especially when I go to Berlin a lot, because I go there often, that's my only kind of reference point for this sort of stuff. But when I go to Berlin often, one of the interesting things to see is when sometimes you bump into really terrible tourists, especially from the UK, who don't know, you know, how you're meant to act in places like Berlin. So for instance, Berlin, for instance, is obviously a techno city, obviously a nightclub city, um, and obviously well known for Bergheim. But people also take music and clubbing very seriously over there. It's a little bit corny. It's a little bit cringy sometimes. It can maybe make you want to vomit in your mouth. But they really do take going out seriously. It's like an art for them. So they don't really take well to the things that we do here at home. Like getting absolutely plastered pre-drinking. Doing loads of drugs at home before you go out. Doing them on the queue before you get in. Doing them on the dance floor. Doing them at the bar talking you know going up to random strangers in a club and trying to you know engage them in conversation and trying to make them laugh asking people for cigarettes they don't like that shit the stuff that we do commonly just mucking around and, and just being loud in queues and stuff they hate it so it's always hilarious whenever i go to Bergheim, and for some reason it happens not all the time but sometimes you'll see it there'll be a group of british guys especially who don't really know much about how you meant to act and they'll be doing what british guys do normally in queues talking loudly drinking having a having a blast and it's always hilarious when they get to the front <laughs> and they get told no the shock on their faces they just don't can't understand going to a nightclub where the door policy is they get to select who comes in they don't care if you have money they don't care if you're rich don't care if you're poor they get to decide like there's no you're not guaranteed entry whereas everywhere they go in the uk as long as you're as long as you can walk sometimes it's not even that you're basically okay They'd let you in anyway because, you know, in the UK we have really strict opening hours. So that kind of lends to clubs and bars being a lot more lax on letting people in because they need to make some money back on a bar. So they'll let in loads of crazy drunks and people that are super high and shouldn't be in clubs. That adds to the antisocial, tense, rubbish kind of atmosphere. And then that kind of leads to fights and all sort of mad nonsense, just not a good night out. So the reason why it's good in these other countries like Amsterdam and like Berlin or these other cities is because they take care 
of their nightlife they take it seriously but for some people like us who don't take it too seriously and i think the uk similar to maybe guys in america we're quite similar in that regard we kind of see alcohol and drugs as like a function just to get fucked up we don't actually see it as like a cultural thing whereas you go to cities like amsterdam like berlin it's like a cultural thing for them to kind of get fucked up it's like part of like you know a thing to make you look like you're you know i don't know like a like an enlightened individual like you have taste and stuff that you're into music you're into art you're into this like you you, you should hear some of the high conversations especially that would be a, actually a good little series if someone did it but it was obviously an invasion of privacy but if you're ever standing in the flipping toilets and waiting for the cubicles to be free at Berghain or any kind of popular nightclub in that city you should hear the conversation people are having in the toilet cubicles clearly over some lines or whatnot or pinging out over a pill they're, they're really talking about you know world affairs sustainability um the environment politics like crazy things urban planning architecture like they're playing all these crazy things because they really do take themselves a lot seriously so for guys like or for people like for, for people from my country in the uk british people specifically it can be a bit of a shock to kind of get used to um all of this sort of stuff but the weird thing about this kind of campaign is that it actually does benefit us because them being this serious and not really want to take, not really kind of allowing the hordes of British people to come in and just kind of fuck up their city. It's actually going to make their city way more appealing and way more kind of um, alluring people to kind of want to go to and plan a holiday to, especially with the prices too, because, you know, $50 or £50 to go to Amsterdam and chill, have a good time and come back is pretty decent, all things considered. But I want to see what time he's going to close. This update is pretty concerning. This is a headline code of the uh, BBC Amsterdam bans cannabis in red light district what's happening here city council also announced on Thursday that restaurants and bars were closed by 2am on Fridays and Saturdays and no new visitors are allowed in the city after 1am crazy bro but yeah loads of things are happening but I still want to go because I really want to go to this club here called The School um, in Amsterdam it's a, an amazing little cafe bar type of place in a former school I think the architecture of it is pretty cool and they have some really cool kind of nights that they kind of host there. And I've heard people say that this, ironically, weirdly enough, might be better than Bergkind as a space. I think because generally, you know, um, people, Dutch people are way nicer than Germans, really. Even though they're kind of straight up and, you know, don't take no prisoners, um, they're still kind of way nicer than the conventional German that you might see. But let me just quickly check out the program and see what I'll go on because this school definitely looks like a place I should be having on my list to kind of check out for sure um this is the program right march i meant to be going away somewhere in april what they've got here in terms of april dates who they've got here playing they've got club dig lulu leo chi honey dijon is playing there in april soon uh who else is there ben sims uk legend you got nicks playing there soon also yeah some pretty decent lineups here as well. That might be an opportunity to check it out. And again, the pre-sale price, 15 euros, is a pretty decent to go and check it out. So that might be something that might be on the list. But yeah, um, big up flipping, big up Amsterdam. I don't blame you guys for chucking us away. I've I've seen what British people can do out here. And yeah, we can be really annoying and we can be some of the worst tourists ever, but we do spend a lot of money as well. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a wobbler to be involved in Germany. You know I mean? Like how do you kind of, you know, handle that situation when you know we're going to come in and kind of really lay down the money, lay down the peas. Anyway, moving on for this. Have you guys seen this? This is pretty crazy, right? 
This article courtesy of the BBC regarding this young lady here. This is pretty wild. Daria Trapova. Daria Trapova. One absolute crazy lady. So there's their legend that this woman here was responsible for leaving some statue that was filled up with like explosives at this cafe, which ended up killing this very influential blogger out there in Russia. Pretty, pretty crazy, right? So um, the article says, yeah, the detention of Daria Trapova for the murder of Russian pro-war blogger Vladim Tarskevsky has raised questions about the young woman's background. So they're saying she might be Ukrainian. Um, Russian media reports that Mr. Trapova handed Tartaski a statuette which believed to be containing explosives that killed him and injured more than 30 people. Later in the video released by the Russian photographer, she was seen admitting to she brought the statue to the cafe. However, her statements most likely obtained under duress and she did not say whether she knew the exp had explosives or not. So they're basically not too sure. Did she take the statue to the guy, um, to the cafe, knowing it had explosives in it? Or was she, you know, set, given the statue, thinking it was one thing, and then it went in there and it completely flipping um, exploded. But the video footage of it is pretty crazy. I played the video footage here, courtesy of the BBC, of her pulling up. It's pretty wild. This is the lady pulling up to the cafe, holding the box that with a statue in it in St. Petersburg in Russia. She walks into the cafe. <laughs> The next scene is the pro-war Russian blogger being given the statue in the cafe and kind of, as, you know, uh, looking at it, giving it the once-over. There's the statue head that come pops out. And then, boom, destroys the cafe. It kind of blows all the windows out from the side. Madness, man. Holy shit. You see the art, the scenes out or the aftermath of the explosion, all the windows blown out. Crazy. Can you imagine the scene there the next day? Um, so it says here, um, Russian officials say that the act of terror as a killing is now being described as planned and organized by the territory of Ukraine and that the suspect uh, of the support of the anti-corruption federation, FBK, headed by the jail Russian opposition, Alexander. N oh, they're blaming you on Alexei Nav Nav Navalny. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, but friends and family say that while she was an anti-war activist, she was reportedly detained at protests at the state of the war. Her views were not radical and she was not capable of murder. Her husband, Dmitry Roiglov, suggested that she may have been duped. Bloody hell. Who knows what the hell going on there, mate? Absolutely crazy. Um, if anything, this is just another kind of... It might be a clever psyop as well um, to kind of have her do this. And then essentially it kind of continues and stokes the fires of war because it feels like they don't want to ever kind of reach any kind of impasse or peace point at the moment. I think maybe too much blood has been spilt to have any, you know, inkling of peace. They're going to go until the last person drops, unfortunately, which is going to be bad for them because there's a lot of blood is definitely going to be spilt. But this does feel like another unnecessary stoking of the flames on. But yeah, RIP that pro-Russian blogger, pro-war Russian blogger, I guess. But it's fucking sticky when you're out there and flipping Russia. It's absolutely sticky out there. We cannot lie. We cannot lie. So next on the list to talk about here is this. I want to quickly mention this article courtesy of flipping high stability from seven days ago that just still is giving me annoying vibes. So I guess high stability is kind of essentially like the streetwear version of complex. 
they do these kind of inflammatory posts that is kind of done in order to kind of generate clicks and get people to kind of talk and stuff and debate but they randomly put out a post on their social media with a tombstone that reads um new york supreme um new york founded april 1994 dead march 2023 so they're basically saying supreme is dead long live supreme and just to kind of you know get generate some clicks and whatnot on their social media which is obviously annoying so on the face of it clearly this is a dumb statement supreme is nowhere near to be dead if anything supreme is definitely a um a sort of an example for most streetwear brands coming up on how to be long on longevity on integrity on just creating quality products and obviously having a really rabid fan base because when i started buying supreme it was really i wouldn't say it was really small but it was also not as big as it was nowadays and it was definitely something that I felt at the time that I was buying it was becoming a little bit too popular, a little bit too commercial. And this was around the time when um, I felt like, you know, Supreme definitely popped into the mainstream and became a little bit more of a normie type of clothing when maybe Odd Future top turned up aside wearing it. I was wearing it before the Odd Future guys because I'm a little bit older than them. But I do remember um, that becoming like a big thing at the time. Like suddenly I started to see a lot of stuff that I could buy easily. Started to sell out a lot quicker because a lot of these younger kids that were kind of fans of Odd Future when they were coming up were starting to get onto Supreme. So that's when I kind of see the change of it happening. But one thing you have to give Supreme credit for over the years is their ability to just keep reinventing their brand and keeping it, keeping it fresh despite it kind of remaining the same. And I think one of the main kind of tenets of it over time has been this kind of embracing of the logo and of the font and of the brand name on the clothing. They don't, so many more of their lookbooks now and their pieces, especially jackets and shirts and shit, have Supreme written on the front, on the back, on the side. And all that stuff is done clearly i think to kind of appeal to a younger generation of fans who want to have big brands and logos over their chest and shit when i was coming up and i was buying supreme we liked the subtle shit we liked to have the jacket that had like just a little supreme woven label on the side that only if you knew you knew type of thing maybe it'd have like a tonal logo so the logo would be the same color as whatever the body of the top was but it would never be like something crazy like with s-u-p-e-r-e-m like it wouldn't be that crazy it would be always really subtle really kind of hidden embossed underneath a pocket a slight there slight there but it'd always be about the cut and the color of the item so over time it's sort of like changed and i feel like that's been a really clever thing because of what they've done they've maybe increased the amount of logos but they've still done what they do all the time which is create really great outwear really good hoodies really great hats really great pants and the collabs are always kind of for the most part seven to a nine out of ten every season they don't usually go underneath a seven so those is what kind of keep them going and also think about it another thing that I also like is the kind of accessories that's another part that I feel like doesn't really get looked at too much. They have a really do a really good job over the years of just making really good what you maybe call knickknacks, right? Like like tall kits. Like they've got that um karaoke box this season, a motorbike, um you know, like a whatever those type of things all the time i feel like are little kind of accessories that they kind of keep going like the tamagotchi that kind of keep the brand fresh and somehow kind of you know allow it to kind of you know even the, the brick from back in the day that was also something that kind of kicked off so i feel like when people come out here and say supreme is dead it's always a little bit um funny because supreme is nowhere near to being dead like they're legitimately you know still out here kind of being the 
cultural leaders in what they're doing. You know, the Balenciaga cancelled collection that they have that's probably due to be coming out very, very soon. When that eventually does drop, it's going to do absolute numbers. It probably might do more numbers than the whatever the Louis Vuitton thing they did back in the day. So to say that Supreme is dead is really, really silly in my opinion. But let's read the article here and see what they say anyway, regardless on this post um, that kind of maybe details why they decided to kind of put this nonsense out there. Let's go here. It says, um, Supreme is dead. It's been, it's, it's, um, it's a sentient, so it's a sentiment shared umpteen times by blogs, forums, and Discord groups and Instagram commenters. Um, is Supreme actually dead though? Dead doesn't necessarily refer to an inactive brand. It simply refers to a brand that's lost its cultural clout it once had. Oh, thanks, High Snob IT, for defining what dead means. Thank you. Um, Supreme remains one of the biggest streetwear brands in the world and enjoys a name brand recognition that Supreme's parent company, WF Corp, seemed to value above actual sales. Okay, what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, big up. Yeah, Nicknacks. We got the Nicknacks crew. <laughs> big up the knickknack man them knickknack knickknack paddywhack give a dog a bone anyway um supreme's revenue apparently hasn't reached wf corps um vfw corps um 600 million dollar goal um if 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 vf values supreme's branding enough to offset the debt and incurred when it paid 2.1 billion for the supreme back in 2020 but i still think 2.1 billion is a flipping steal for supreme if someone wanted to buy it now, it'd be definitely worth way more, especially with the new stores in check. Um, Supreme was arguably the most powerful brand in youth culture for the entirety of 2020, 2010, sorry. It's high profile collaborations sold out in, in milliseconds. That, that Louis Vuitton Supreme jacket is so awful, isn't it? That's the most Asian jacket I've seen in my entire life. Like if people like to say like black people like to wear gaudy things, there are certain things that you see that you think only Asian people would like. And I think this is a good example of it. This Louis Vuitton Supreme jacket, absolutely awful. Um, it continues. However, Supreme and the North Face's Spring 2023 collection, typically one of the Supreme Tottish drops, sat online for days, but it's still sold out. That's not equivalent. It doesn't mean anything. Who swiped Supreme's crown? We could argue that it wasn't any one brand, but a collective of brands empowered by social media and reconfigured creative direction. Um, here's the thing, Supreme's not dead in the literal sense. It's still a big name with big followers and sells plenty of clothes, but no one is on top forever. They don't want to, that's the thing though about Supreme people that don't understand. They don't want to be on top. They don't want to be on top. They just want to be around and still kind of churning out quality collections season in, season out. That's what probably makes them the number one brand. They don't care about being on top. They just care about being able to service their fans, provide them with great quality content and kind of keep it moving that way. Um, what's the Severa Design says, hey, Bubba, King of Sting gear, Thick Boy gear. Thick Boy gear, I'm, unpopular opinion, I don't think it's that bad. I think Brendan's Thick Boy stuff is pretty decent. Now, the reason why it's decent is because he steals most of his designs. Um, most of it is kind of stolen from other places, um, you know, especially the jersey designs and shit and the logos. But I don't think it's that bad. Like, if you actually are a fan of his and you like buying comedian merch, I think he does pretty decent merch for what's out there. There's some people that do really terrible merch, but I feel like Brendan's merch isn't too bad. The only thing it's not good for Thickboy merch is the logo. I feel that kind of, that bus, that leaking bussy logo that's meant to be a donor is legitimately one of the worst things I've ever seen. Surely there's other things that you can do as a logo to describe Thickboy. You could have a couple of chicken wings, like, in some sort of like coat of arms type of style you could do so many other things than 
a flipping dripping donut bussy thing. It's just horrible as a logo. But the rest of the stuff is pretty decent. The jerseys are nice. That dicey dicey hoodie he put out a while back was pretty cool. He does cool t-shirts. I think the hats that have thick boy with the T and the B, they're pretty decent. And he's priced them pretty well. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does make quite a bit of money off those merch because it's priced pretty decent. It looks okay for what it is. And if you're a fan of his, and from what I've seen of pictures of fans that queue up at his shows, a lot of his fans turn out in that gear. So clearly the fans like it. So, you know, it's pretty decent. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably opinion, but as much as um, comedian podcaster merch goes, it's actually decent, decent enough, decent enough. Not going to lie on that one. Decent enough for sure. Um, next on list here, I'm going to mention this. This is courtesy of Complex. And this is regarding um, Jerry Lorenzo of Fear of God essentially shutting down the rumors that this particular shoe that got leaked online is going to be part of his collaboration with Adidas that we still haven't seen. So this shoe that's featured here down below that I'm going to show you. I think it's a white. Let's see if it pops up here. Is it going to pop up? Please do. So I can show people what I'm talking about. Are you going to pop up or not? Maybe it's not going to pop up. But it's basically, there we go. So this shoe was leaked online and people were basically wrongly assuming that this is going to be um, Jay Lorenzo's debut shoe or part of his debut collection at Adidas. And he was quickly to come out to shut it down and say, this is not anything to do with him. And I was happy to hear that because when I initially saw these, I felt they looked very uninspired. I thought they looked very dated. It looked like a design that he probably should have put out a few years ago or maybe should have put out at the time that he got announced as, you know, um, somebody that's going to be working with Adidas in the basketball capacity. That would have made sense. But they also kind of looked too similar to stuff that he did at Nike beforehand. It wasn't that much of an upgrade over the, or of a kind of, you know, it wasn't much of an upgrade or differential from that stuff. And it also looks a lot like that um, Yeezy basketball sneaker that Kanye made, um, you know, a, few, a couple of years ago. That's been popular for a while. So I wasn't really too happy about these. So it's good to know that they're not his shoe. But it does kind of raise the question, what is going on with Jerry Lorenzo and Adidas? Like, what was the delay? My sensible brain, non-conspiratorial brain, wants to say it was because of the pandemic. The pandemic happened and then Kanye West leaving and all these other things happening in between with the business and the CEO changing kind of put a pause on him because Jerry is a big deal and Fear of God's a big deal. They probably want to put a lot of money into promoting it. So they probably put a pause on all big, you know, drops and whatnot um, that they wanted to put out there. So that might've been a reason why, but also I'm wondering if maybe they kind of got him involved decided to kind of get him involved because they wanted to tell that story of Jerry Lorenzo and Fear of God, but they also wanted to do it in tandem with having Yeezy, you know, as part of their flipping um, array of products. That ends, and obviously Kanye has a falling out with ADS, and that goes where it goes. And now you're left with a guy who you maybe didn't want on his own. You went to maybe have it in tandem with Ye. He then shows you some of the stuff he's been working on, and you just think it's not hitting. It's not the one, it's not what you wanted, and it's not maybe good enough yet for production. And maybe Adidas is one that says, hey, now we're not putting this out. This is not good enough. And it's time to go back to the drawing board. Maybe. I'm not really too sure. But it's a bit weird how it's taken so long. It feels like it's been more than two years so far. But let's read the article because of Complex. It says, after Jerry Lorenzo confirmed a new direction for Adidas um, partnership last fall, fans have been eager to see what's next from the designer sneaker collaborations. With the new leaks making the round today, um, Lorenzo has shared more details exclusively with Complex. He says, 
That is not the basketball sneaker for fear of God and Adidas, Lorenzo said in today's leak, adding that the fear of God and Adidas performance sneaker um, and race collection will be officially unveiled on April 19th. So in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to see that during the Hollywood Bowl showing of fear of God's eighth collection, which is great. I'm, I love the fact that he's doing his first runway collection in Hollywood in LA and not doing it in Paris or something because um, he's actually from there. That's pretty cool. The sneaker in question surface today in Instagram, the images show a mid-cut design in black and cream with a four foot strap and three stripes branding on the toe the field good branding on the heel beneath the adidas trail logo the leak shoe is cushioned with the adidas light strike foam light strike foam sorry while the shoe picture isn't here isn't part of the collection readers can expect to see the anticipated fear of god link up next month so yeah what is happening with adidas and fear of god um did they just realize that he maybe isn't as good as they probably hoped he was did he get cold feet it's an easy thing. I'm not really too sure, but the reaction from everyone online was that these were terrible and you had to come out and clear it up. So whatever does drop in April needs to be really, really hard and a real departure from these. If he's, if, if it'll be really hilarious if, um, what's his name? If um, Jay Lorenzo ends up debuting this shoe at the Hollywood Bowl show and it's just the same shoe with just the stripes removed or something. That would be hilarious if that ends up happening. I don't think it does because if anything, when I look at this shoe, it kind of looks like something that was designed when he initially signed the deal. So it may be the first sort of like prototype or model that they kind of specced up. But I wouldn't imagine someone like him would be happy to put this out in this year considering how dated it kind of looks as a design and shape and considering what he's done prior as well and of course considering what people have mentioned here already in the chat about the yeezy quantum i think it's not called the basketball it's called a quantum so yeah they look too similar to that regard so i think he wouldn't want to tell that story again in his own way i think he wants them to do something fresh you would imagine so but yeah not too sure what's happening with jay lorenzo i'm hoping it's just like you know normal life stuff and the pandemic got in the way and things got delayed but it's not a really good sign that they've taken so long with such a high profile person to put anything out and we still haven't got any idea on what the shoe looks like it's been really under wraps either it's been really done either it's not been designed at all or it's been legitimately put super super under wraps and no one has any idea on what exactly it's going to end up looking like when it does eventually come out we don't know yet but we're gonna have to wait and see i guess when it does eventually drop we'll have to wait and see when it does eventually drop uh moving on from that whilst we have you in to quickly mention bish bash bosh bear with me a sec as i get this stuff here da, 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 da. yeah so that's quickly so most of you guys would know that um palace have decided to release a pair of uggs um i think they might have dropped this week already maybe i'm not really too sure but I feel like this is a further example as to why I think collaborations overall need to die in streetwear. They really need to D-I-E. They need to go away, D-E-A-D, and just kind of go away forever. Because I feel like these collaborations are getting to the point now where people are just doing anything for the sake of doing anything. And it turns out to be completely terrible. And sometimes if you just do too many collaborations, what ends up happening, like what's happening with Palace, I feel like even though I always hated the brand, it feels like to me, that is definitely one of the final nails in your coffin when people see a fucking Ugg boot like this, collaboration with Palace. It's like, it's so try hard. It's so desperate. And it's so, 
you know, it doesn't really relate not one bit at all to the brand whatsoever in any way, slightest way possible. Especially when you think about how up their own ass these guys are when they first started about who wore the stuff, who they sponsored, what type of video they made, how they made it. Now suddenly, a couple of years down the line, they've got their stuff. They, you know, any everybody that doesn't skate basically wears it. Yeah, it started from being a brand for skaters only. Now it's definitely for all the hipsters, and now they decided to flip and make these absolute monstrosities that are legitimately, legitimately vomit-inducing. There's nothing about these that are cool. And if you're not watching this, so you don't can't see the picture, and you listen to this audio only, then you should be thanking me. You should be thanking me, like Brendan Schulz said when he told those guys to thank flipping Tim Kennedy for killing nine-year-olds in Afghanistan. You should be thanking me for not showing you what these look like. But if especially they're the classic Ugg boot, which already is a bit of a Marmite shoe anyway, right? Maybe something you wear on the way to go pick up some groceries, pick up some eggs, maybe to catch, you know, maybe to see if you can get some flipping meat at the butchers, but not something you'd wear to kind of freak and to flex when you're going out on the lash or whatnot. So a classic kind of Ugg boot in that brown color and they decided to adorn an ugg boot in 2000s-esque nightling strikes all over the upper to kind of give it this funky youthful type of vibe and if that wasn't enough if we thought the brown thundery embroidered hideous monstrosities wasn't enough guess what they also done they also done it in another colorway they've also given it to you in black if you didn't think the brown was nice enough and you were umming and ahhing they've also given you a black option of this ugg boot which I feel like legitimately may be the worst type of footwear I've ever seen from a brand ever. And if you if you are out there and you're a fan of Palace and you legitimately, unironically walk down the street with that big, stupid triangle on the back of your back thinking you're doing something, this might be the moment where you're going to be questioning your life choices. Do you want to be associated with guys who stand outside of pubs, rolling up, you know, their cigarettes, drinking Stellas, sneaking fucking pints of beer in their crotch or putting them in their flipping cargo jacket pockets or stealing mugs underneath their jackets and wearing unironically sovereign rings and gold tooth caps? Do you really want to be associated with those guys and guys who also design flipping thunder rugs? Do you want that? Do you want to be Thunderugs guy, Thunderugs girl, for sure? Like, how terrible and how ugly are these things? They're legit. Like, can you imagine walking down the street with these and the palace triangle on your back and a pair of Levi's and shit thinking you're doing something? Like, can you actually imagine somebody wearing these things, looking you up and down and saying, oh, you're not cool enough? How dare you? How dare anybody who wears shoes like these, you know, be in a position to tell somebody what they should be and shouldn't be looking like and what they should and shouldn't be wearing these are legitimately awful and like i said before i think sometimes you can do one or two collaborations too many and then you're in a position that you know palace are in now where i feel like these collaborations are essentially killing the brand slowly but surely first it was that gucci shit now it's this holy moly especially if you came at it and you was the core guy you like their sort of like vhs you know filmed flipping skate videos back in the day you love to see those guys hanging around town you love to flipping gossip about them on sidewalk forum back in the day and now on flipping skate what's that uk skate forum and stuff and talk about what they do and wank off some of the founders now look at this stuff how can you wank off anybody in that group of people when they wear when they kind of endorse and co-sign this nonsense these are legitimately one of the worst things like imagine wearing a pair of those uggs and these shorts 
these denim cargo shorts, right? You got denim den- denim shorts with cargo pockets. Can you imagine that? Wearing a pair of light blue denim cargo short jean short things, and also wearing a pair of Uggs. Like this is not even zesty. These are just awful. These are not zesty. These are pukey. That's what they are. Because I'm okay with zesty. Zesty's fun. Zesty's cute. These aren't zesty. These are just pukey. Like legitimately one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. Awful, awful, awful. And again, just another example that, you know, this brand has died a slow death over time. And most of it is because of collaborations. It's probably made them filthy rich, which is cool. But in terms of a brand, if you were into this beforehand, I can't see why you'd wear this now. Especially considering all the cool stuff out there now that people are making. Look at even Stussy. Stussy would never do this to you. Stussy would never give you this sort of awfulness. They would never do this to you. These are legitimately awful. Legitimately vomit-inducing. Awful, awful, awful. So, no surprise anyway. Dead brand. um, And it's slowly dying. A real, real, real slow death. um, Which makes a lot of sense to me. Which makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, What else I wanted to talk about here before I decide to... Let me see what I can see here. You got this, you got that, you got that. I think I've done most of them, haven't I? Yeah, I think I've actually done most of them for the most part. For once, I think I've done most of them. That might be most of them. Yes, it actually is. It actually is most. Actually, no, let's do the Stussy one. Yeah, so we've got Stussy also. I have decided to show us a preview of this spring 2023 accessories. I think these are pretty cool. Um... Stussy again, they've whatever turnaround they've done, whoever's in charge of their creative direction, whoever's in charge of their design or whatever, has done an amazing job, man. Like really amazing job. From the store to the editorials to the lookbooks to the video content, like it's just all ten out of ten. Like Stussy are doing an incredible job. So this is their preview of some of the accessories they've got here. They've got some playing cards, if that's what time you're on. Um, they've got a shot, a, sh- a shawl or a blanket here on the chair with the Stussy text on it. They've also got some mugs as well that pretty that I'd imagine will probably do quite well on their store. They've got some dice for guys who want to gamble. Um, they've got a candle here. Looks like a spray can. They've got some letters also. I think they might be magnet letters, isn't it? Oh, this is pretty nice. I think they got these. These are magnetized letters, alphabet in written in the Sean, Sean, Sean Stussy font. And also they've got some pens as well. I like this. Let's see if this actually if this is actually available already. Yeah, it's available on the site. Let's see how much all this stuff is. This looks pretty cool. I'm a fan of all this stuff. Let's see what these accessories. Accessories. Let's go here. What they've got. Oh, they've also got is that like a is that like an antiperspirant or sunscreen? Okay, cool. So we've got here, we've got a S spray can candle. Which looks really cool. Okay, get up here. Come on. Stop me get away. Yeah, so you got a cat, so you got you got a welcome mat, you've got an S spray candle, you've got a skull candle, which is quite cool. You got the alphabet magnets, I love those, that looks really nice to put on your fridge somewhere. You've got a bandana if you want to throw up your set, you've got an eight ball keychain, a nice mug. The dice is sold out, unfortunately, looks like there. The salt salt and stone sunscreen stick is sold out. We got some incense, some forty-five vinyl inserts as well. They look pretty cool. 
ribbed tank tops. The accessories are really cool, isn't it? Nice tumbler. They've got a stock Kinto tumbler here. A big meaty puzzle. They've got a ribbed tank tops. They've got boxer shorts. That's pretty cool. I'm after design stuff like this, actually. That's, that might be the first bit of merch I put out for the Exxon Zinger show, maybe Random Show. Maybe I'll put out some merch that says Taz around here on the ribbing. And then also, right, that, that might be some nice ones to put out there. Or just Zinger all around it. That would be hilarious. Have people walking around with my name on their panties. Ew, swaggy. But yeah, I quite like these. How much are they? $48 for a pair of free packs. Oh, I'll sell them for much cheaper. I'll give them you for 20 and they also got some good decent bags as well involved here and some nice sunnies. But yeah, Stussy is flipping banging. I'm a nice fan. I'm a big fan of what they do. Big up Stussy and what they put out there. They always, always are smashing it with the bits and the bobs. You cannot deny that. You absolutely cannot deny that. Oh my God. Okay, cool. And then I think last one I wanted to mention quickly was this. Courtesy of Hypebeast again regarding apex works and i don't know it feels like i was going to mention this before but i think i mentioned it i was going to mention it now because of just my um interest in this new little space that's sort of like brewing and existing and maybe being exploited and used in some way where people are basically making de facto club wear and i feel like it's odd because i would like to make some myself but I don't necessarily think there's really a space for it because, you know, I like clothes, I like fashion, and I don't really see myself going out of my way to go and buy any kind of, like, specific clothing that's made with clubbers in mind. The only thing that I've kind of been tempted to buy as of late in that kind of sense was this patter bag they put out a while back, which is basically a DJ bag. They've done, I think, a few iterations of it. That was pretty cool. And then, of course, um, the inf the kind of legendary fold bag. That was a pretty cool thing, but that was also more of like a status symbol as well. You know, it kind of gave you a nod of being part of the kind of OG fold crew. It was also some a kind of a nice bag to kind of carry and to kind of have your shit in it when you're raving and jumping around and shit. And then the other thing I could think of was this collection um with this never that what they did a collaboration with public release where they released these really cool little um capsule collection that included a t-shirt hoodies and a little dj bag also that i thought looked pretty well done and this was a this was kind of the closest i got to maybe thinking hey maybe i should get some of this stuff right they got a nice little dj bag here where you can put all your shit in it and whatnot that looks pretty cool they got a nice little belt that most people would like wearing that could kind of you know make sense a cool little hat in this kind of style that you know all the kids like wearing and similar to our trick style a nice pull of a hoodie that's really warm and cozy and a classic t-shirt but other than that i can't imagine wearing anything more cut and sewish fashion type that thing that would work well in clubs i feel like a lot of it kind of like leans to like the workwear type of thing inspiration which i think apex kind of kind of gets their inspiration from and i don't know a lot of it just feels a little bit it feels a little bit um cosplay -y. It feels like a lot of these hipster kids kind of want to look like they, you know, it's like it's like wearing a chore jacket. They want to look like they're working with their hands and shit. And they are somewhat, you know, regular working class kids when most of them maybe, you know, have parents that drive flipping Range Rover Sports and shit. So it's probably not the same sort of vibe, but there's something about it that I'm not really kind of, you know, vibing with too much. But the problem, I think mostly with Apex, I think over time, it just hasn't maybe hit the heady heights it kind of reached when it first kind of jumped out and it first was around and from what i read online 
and stuff it looks like the one of the guys um kiko who's now you know a really influential fashion designer in his own right he basically left it seems like and he just left the other two guys to kind of manage and kind of do the brand themselves which might explain why it's kind of lost a little bit of his panache and a little bit of his edge and a little bit of his interest and intrigue and whatever it may be that kind of made it interesting in the slightest now it's kind of a little bit redundant and i don't know there's not there's not a part of me that would kind of want to wear any of it anymore and i don't really see um where it kind of fits overall especially when you think of all the other great brands out there and what they're doing and you think of what their price point is i don't know it's kind of a competitive space to be involved in but this spring 2023 collection that i'm seeing so far there's a few bits and pieces here that i would obviously wear like cool little um, tracksuits up and down like the green tie-dye stuff and whatnot but the rest of it is really uninspiring um kind of average looking stuff to be fair it doesn't maybe look well or come across well in picture form who knows but a lot of it just isn't for me in a slightest way shape or form and i couldn't imagine if i was to wear it they'd wear it for a rave like this is a really this is a pretty good look right this is look number 12 in this lookbook it's kind of like this nice olivey green type of looking affair with some shorts and a nice shirt and a really decor designed um idea behind a bag where it kind of tucks in underneath your armpit and it's kind of flush to your body so it's not kind of flapping around when you're walking that's pretty cool and some cool shoes but would you wear this to a club and sweat it out it looks pretty nice it's probably it's a nice little outfit to go to church with right to kind of meet the mumsy up and maybe go out for a meal with a with a little baddie but would you actually want to wear this to a club probably not not the greatest club wear for me personally uh, maybe i'm in the minority here but not the greatest but some of the tractor stuff is pretty cool and interesting but i feel like the rest of it especially inspiration wise with it being workwear inspired type of clothing just feels a little bit a little bit costumey a little bit cosplay a little bit larpy and just not the most authentic thing and not something that i kind of want to be seen dead in the only, this is probably my favorite look of them all but i guess the model as well also kind of sells it really well look number four it features this great I, i'm assuming it's not tie-dye maybe it's something else um effects on the top and the bottom this nice green effect um with this really nice jacket the cut of the pants looks amazing and he kind of sells it really well in this kind of look overall with these nice big chunky boots but the rest of it not for me not in the slightest and it's a shame to see because i feel like the brand started off really well um very loads of potential about it but i feel like over time it hasn't maybe hit the heads where it probably should it hasn't hit the heights it probably should have and may might be because of the change of personnel it might just be because this type of clothing it kind of hits a ceiling over time anyway i'm not really too sure but let's just read the article here courtesy of hypebeast it says london-based apex works continues to expand its off sorry it's defiant workwear um offerings with the reveal of its spring 2023 collection um the collective imprint now debuts its spring 2023 collection dubbed the stasis is death inspired by the tunes birthed in england's west midlands the range draws for the 19th birmingham um, sound and its extensive impact on the modern day techno music however the genre provided an intense backbone and compare the intense backbone compared to the baseline funk from across the pond and defines the offering through the artist heavy-handed yet minimalistic aesthetics thus crease dyed workwear jackets Okay, that's what it is then it's crease dyed workwear jackets accompanied by spain um smudged hoodies with a similar identity matched with holographic mesh tops um slanted on the dance floor was that sorry slated for the dance floor holographic okay cool so i guess that look that i liked 
was a what's it called what they call it they're calling that a crease dyed workwear crease dyed workwear hmm. okay i guess i guess crease dyed workwear <laughs> it continues protective menswear sets uh boast rib cage gashings with increased breathability while stained variations um land in a discolored and brown hues traditional british jackets tracksuits are kept sleek and simple with daily for daily wear pairing nicely with the corresponding shoulder bags and chain dye wear apex branded crew necks and tees complete the collection alongside the looks of the, the okay cool fair enough fair enough i guess um again not for me personally um not really somebody that'll be seen wearing this top type of stuff day to day i'm not gonna lie but yeah it's kind of sad to see how it's fallen off because it did start off pretty hot but I guess you can't sustain that until the end, can you? You can't sustain that until the end. Anyways, so that has been the Agostino Zynga Show, episode number 661. Thanks again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company. Um, hopefully you have enjoyed the show so far if you have please make sure you smash the like button down below for me that would be greatly appreciated please make sure you smash the like button down below for me if you've enjoyed the show that would be greatly 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 appreciated um of course um if you're listening via the audio platform you will hear my tune of the day so all you need to do is listen to the audio side of the platform and you hear my song of the day don't delay listen to that song of the day today and you shall enjoy that if you listen or watching this via the audio or video platform you won't you'll just fade to black and you'll just be back to whatever it was normal but thanks to everybody for tuning in i appreciate all of you um as per usual the random show will be back again later on tonight so if you want to check me out in there then come back and i'll be um doing that as well so tune back in we'll be pushing up smashing out the content for the next six months or so gonna be going crazy dumb hard because i've been inspired by tyler creator's recent deluxe album for call me if you get lost your estate sale it's been really flipping amazing to see somebody so young be able to smash it at that level so i definitely have to kind of step up to what i'm doing in my life and stuff and kind of push as hard as possible so please do listen to the album if you haven't already um tired of creator call me if you get lost is absolutely amazing um the deluxe album the estate sells out now at the moment with eight bonus records and they are absolutely flames so flames i'm focusing now and get myself back to where i need to be but anyway big up everybody in the chat big up everybody for hanging out i do appreciate every single one of you guys and i'll see all of you very very soon take care and be safe peace